from my heart and from my hand Why don't people understand my intention? And welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Oh my god. <laughs> Stephanie Matty's great. Gareth's I've been resurrected. <laughs> is that what this is? He did, didn't he? JP's you know, been telling the patrons back. So, is that official? Yeah. <laughs> it's this, you know, once a month. Keep my eye on <laughs> Come and, come, and, come, come and check in on the um, the uh, WWE Spotlight show that appears to be the uh, to be the new format <laughs> since I uh, walked away, mate, mate. There's, there's a there's a reason why I'm about three episodes behind. Listen to Benno's three hour raw takes. <laughs> no, it's been replaced, mate. That's what we do now. We break down raw. <laughs> It, it has been. It's been pining over, pining over Cody Rhodes like a lost dog. I love him. <laughs> Cody Rhodes spotlight as Simon says it in the chat. Yeah, as it as it should be. Um, yeah, no, this is what happens when you go away, mate, for five minutes. But you're back full time now, and that's good. Um, <laughs> you're back in all of them. We just might as well say it like that. So yeah, while, you, while you've been gone, Gareth, what we've basically done is added four more shows to the rotation each week. So, you know, if, you're, if you don't mind jumping on with us, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> we could do with a hand. Call in sick for a few days. Honestly, you'll catch up in no time. Oh. Once once a month. Once a month. How have you been, Gareth? Like, for, our, uh, for our listeners who haven't heard like, the, uh, the Patreon bit before, you know, I'm sure people have missed you. You know, there's a lot of uh, nice well wishes when you've, uh, you know, you, you took your step away. But yeah, fill people in. What have you been up to, mate, without having to do a uh, five hour <laughs> wrestling podcast every Monday and three supplementary podcasts each week? <laughs> no, well, it was, uh, I mean, first of all, it was uh, just getting up. <laughs> When uh, after that show, like the last show, just getting that feedback was uh, some loads of like lovely comments and stuff like that came through off people, like whether it was in the chat, people directly and stuff like that. So that was good. It was sort of like it's almost been a bit like awake at your own funeral or something like that, which was a bit odd. <laughs> like kind of just getting all this positive stuff coming through. But um, no, it was uh, so that was nice. So thanks everybody who uh, who reached out then. But yeah, it's just been I don't know. I've just like I said, just lack of time really to just do this on the on, on the regular it's just been doing loads of work really but even though it's um yeah freed up a bit of time in one area <laughs> time gets filled doing fucking other shit that you know i'd rather be talking about wrestling than watching wrestling <laughs> to be honest but um but those bills don't pay themselves do they you know but uh know. no it's been it's it's been good i've taken a uh i've been uh i haven't been watching as much wrestling definitely mm-hmm. i think it's um I don't know. This seems to be coincided with Noah going to shit and me deciding, yeah, I'm definitely not fucking uh, investing and getting emotionally invested in anything that happens here. If there's a good match, I'll watch it, but I'm not fucking um, diving in and, uh, you know, keeping up to date on that product. It feels like there's been no British shows at all worth going to. Um, Five years. You know, in the slightest. Doesn't. Well, I don't know if there's just been no shows going on in the northwest or things like that, or whether there's just nobody yeah. talking about them any, nobody talking about them anymore. So I'm just not hearing about them. So mm. um, could be could be that as well. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's been um, it's been pretty non-league football really, rather than wrestling. 
You told us that you like a couple of dynamites ago. Like you hadn't, you hadn't seen like dynamite for about two weeks. Like you're actually you're watching all you're, you're not quite a squeeze it in it. You know, five to nine on a on a Monday or Tuesday night anymore. It's 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 like leisurely just knowing that shit's just uh, going on, and I don't have to like fuck just like cram this in now. I did. I had eight hours of AW to catch up on at like one point, and I was just like fucking hell. Imagine if I had to like go and talk about this now. I'd be screwed, but. It's just been a bit nice just sitting there, leisurely watching it, not feeling the need to take notes kind of thing. Just just enjoy the product, <laughs> not having to try and remember stuff, you know. So it's been been a been all good. All good. But squeezed in between that, obviously, we've had uh, obviously we went that TNT show, didn't you? That's the one show that I have been uh, since then, so that was good. Uh, having a good night out with you and Matty and then and then um Oh Scott was on the Savior of Brett Rez. That was the one, wasn't it? Yeah, that that's a, that's right, yeah. He's over again, isn't he? New new run and WrestleMania obviously we had that cracking weekend in Leeds and stuff. Mm. So kind of feels oh, yeah. like I've been away but I haven't really because I've still Oh, I dragged you into doing a podcast in a car, mate, in Leeds. So, you know, uh, this we'll is always find this is true. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. I did two in a weekend, didn't I? Fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Patreon, look. Just when you thought you were out, we <laughs> exactly. pull you back in. <laughs> <laughs> you keep just dropping dropping these little uh, little lines. Oh, we're doing this show, we're doing that show, kind of, you know, throwing those ideas into the mix that weekend. You were just dropping in a few lines here and there. Matty was at me with a few different things as well. So, you're gonna keep me te- keep me tempted, but um, Matty's yeah, full of shit. He, like, he's, like you said at the live show, he stepped into your your grave here, mate. He's just he's after that those big grapple books. He wants <laughs> he wants your job. <laughs> he's smiling in your face, saying, but behind your back. I was amazed, letting me talk. He wasn't just jumping in, doing the old "I'm Matty" and all that. Like, it, was, uh, it was amazing. <laughs> Outrageous. I wasn't even cold in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> he was straight straight in it. No, that sounds awful for that. Straight in in his two free t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> did you in fact give him two free t shirts? It was two. <laughs> I did. <laughs> to be fair, he's worth it. To be fair, he's worth it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you'll see you'll there'll be plenty more about here cover this month as well. But no, we have missed you, mate. Like I say, it's been me and JP just, you know, talking into the void. Mm. It's different now, JP. We can actually piss off and go for a toilet and stuff. Go to the toilet and stuff. I've got a third chair. Thank Christ. <laughs> it, it, Not like that weekend show on is, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is sort of how how the sausage is made with podcasting, but you you're kind of it's a worrying point when the other person suddenly the camera goes off and you realize they've gone to the toilet and it is just you and you're gonna have to just fill this air with nonsense, which is often my raison d'etre, really. Um, but it makes it very tricky to go anywhere. There's no obviously, you know. I can't go anywhere by the by the back door or anything today, so I've got to be kind of on it, which is uh, which is scary. But now, Gareth here, I can slack off a bit, which is ironic because he's the boss. So <laughs> that's what everyone. To be clear of that, he still runs the show. <laughs> there was that fucking ner- there was that nervous moment there in the pre-show where like Benno was going off to whatever fix some technology and you were like i'm making a brew and i'm just like uh (laughs) (laughs) just leave me here (laughs) leave me here alone to talk to the void is this is this the repayment is this the punishment um... (laughs) this this links into it like simon mentions there in in the chat matty was on it like a chinese chippy which is something that I think your son got completely startled by. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, uh, we, this big... is what we need. We need Garrett's updated takes on chippies, on weird ice cream bars that we had on the on the Ask Grapple session at the weekend. We need, we need you to step in, mate, and, uh, and talk some sense to the people. 
Well, it was that fucking th- at the weekend where like we uh, we were up in Cumbria and we'd just been on a uh, just been out, been on like a on the fells, been out on a long walk, and then Sarah's like, "Oh, I could just fancy a chippy for tea." Like, and Alex is like, "Oh yeah, I could murder a Chinese." Da-da-da. And I was like, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you were a regular listener to the Grapple Spotlight, yeah. particularly Matty Edwards uh, uh, featured shows, you'd know uh, it's not the case." And I was in there like in the chippy, and I was like looking up at the board, and it like literally on the board it was like chips, fish. Sausage, peas, curry, patty, fish cake. And I think that was it. And I was like trying to get a sneaky photo to just send to Matty, but it was uh it was it looked a bit looked a bit weird. <laughs> but stood there in a chippy crew, uh, chippy queue with all these old old people and trying to take a snide photo. So I didn't uh, didn't achieve my goal. I was too embarrassed. But I was we were then like back and then because that 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 seed of Chinese had been sown in his mind, we had to go to uh, George and Angela's when we got back to Crosby about two days later so we could get his Chinese fix. And I was looking at that board and there was like four. Hundred Chinese <laughs> options up on the board, and, and, plus all like, the same oh, options maybe, that were in the English chip. Yeah, I bet you. Yeah, yeah, maybe they have got this right after all. Unlike Lolly Ice. <laughs> yeah, I had um, <laughs> I, I took a picture of the uh, the chippy that uh, that Matty was telling us about, the one by me on Park Road that does the uh, the great uh, spring rolls. But they were the looking at me funny while I, I didn't have any. Unfor- but this is the problem. I didn't have any cash, and this is the, that's the other thing that's a little bit odd about like. Um, Scouse Chinese slash chippies is it's always cash only, isn't it? It's a full on cash only business. I don't know. It's very, it's very much playing to type if you're asking yeah, that. I'm, Sorry, I'm, I'm not alluding to anything. I'm just saying. Um, but no, I, I was taking pictures outside and they were looking at you me like something about tanning salons the other week. As well. <laughs> Maybe they're part of the the grift. You know them, the ice cream shops. It's all, uh, <laughs> it's all going on. Everyone's fucking stringer bell, aren't they? These <laughs> around here, yeah. <laughs> It looked fucking filthy. That Chinese uh, chippy that you put that picture in. I was looking at that. I was thinking, oh, I don't know the old uh, five star hygiene on scores on the door. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What I was thinking about with that. You don't want to look those ratings up when the Liverpool Echo started. Put remember when they started publishing them? It's like a big local scandal. It's like every every like local takeaway. I don't know if they do this where you are, JP. In our local paper, they literally just print once a year all of their hygiene ratings, and it makes it makes for grim wow. reading when you realise yeah the uh, the chippy at the end of your road is a is a one star. That Fortune Kitchen by me uh, by me Gareth and Crosby where I was there that was one star. Uh, didn't go oh, for about three, didn't go for about three weeks, and then it was like, but it's at the end. Of the road i mean you know if someone came to my house and did a hygiene check would i get five stars probably not so you know it's what it is like i say you know if they if they came around here i'm sure you know they'd be like oh that that piece of cutlery is not supposed to be there you know inspecting the, the cleanliness of the oven we, nah, the local chinese is all right a little bit of filth hurt no one <laughs> so you can take that sentence a lot of different ways but i still still hold by it it's definitely one that we can crop and use <laughs> an yeah. evergreen statement from JP <laughs> exactly <laughs> it just adds a bit of flavour mean a million and one different things but... <laughs> oh but no like I was going to say what, what else what else what else are the big stories JP that have happened well God, let's go we can get his, his takes on um, you know Brit Res has gone from strength to strength so there's that you know I'm sure <laughs> well it has well I believe there, we, I believe there was two, there was two, there was two Dome, first of all <laughs> no, never, never went the Doncaster Dome. It was a, it was always one of those that I was like, 
that was my period of following wrestling where I'd be like following it online and reading like the UK FF lurking on there and things, reading stuff. And then, uh, but the idea of traveling across the other side of the country on my own to go and watch British wrestling was uh, definitely not my, uh, definitely not high on my agenda at, the, at that point, but it's all right, isn't it? Because uh, a bit of nostalgia, let's just welcome uh, people with, I don't know. How do I put this? Um, not yeah. the best. Um, not the best. <laughs> a reputation. Not, not, not the best records or reputations, but just open them up. Uh, open it up with uh, open arms. Come back. Everything's awesome. Everything's great. Honest to God, yeah. It's like it's like I've been. Uh, we were saying in the pre-show there, but it's like it's been like the old days, you know. Getting uh, apparently there are still uh, you know progress fan groups and uh, and people people out there who feel uh, very strongly about stuff. I just I just feel like the weekend where the company had to downsize from running, you know, the electric ballroom <laughs> in front of seven hundred potentially seven hundred people to running, you know, a venue that looked like. At most, you know, 150, maybe 200 people. If you're being generous, you could, uh, you could, you could squeeze in there, or, or many multiples of that one, one of the two. I feel, I feel mm. like that's not the weekend to probably <laughs> start flying that flag. Um, I think it's you know, uh, but then again, you, you know, crit like us versus crit that might be right, right down your alley. Crit rest is better than it's ever been, isn't it? <laughs> that's what people, that's what people tell me on Twitter anyway. That's what that's what I read. That's what uh, it seems like every show. Crit rest is better than ever, and. Um, who who am I to doubt the credibility of uh, the people uh, putting these lines out? It's in the Daily Star. <laughs> I, I saw it, I saw it in the Daily Star that Britress was better than ever, and the, the uh, biggest match uh, in Britress history was going to be taking place. Up there with the New York Times, the Daily Star. In case listeners have, some listeners have never heard of it. Who am I to doubt? <laughs> it's bad. No, I get it's like yeah, like did, I mean, did you ever think like when in the days you were like a progress season ticket holder, like yeah, I think that like imagine that in like the Jim, John, and Glenn era. Oh yeah, sorry folks, we, it's Easter weekend, so you know people are visiting the families, people are you know sharing chocolate eggs. So afraid there isn't just uh, you know, but we're gonna have to downsize to. I mean, they should. In all seriousness, they should run. They should do what RevPro do, run the like they do with the. Two two nine, small shows, and then every now and then yeah. you run your hall. Every now and then you're on the electric yeah. ballroom. Like, I think especially at the uh, the prices that they've been charged, and I, I don't know, feels like they learned that lesson the uh, the hard way this weekend. Well, it's, it's it's one of them though, isn't it? That you're like, you know, I've been to two tier eight non league football games this weekend, where what there was one thousand two hundred people at one of the games, there's one thousand one hundred people at the other game. Like, if people want to go to shit, they'll go to it, <laughs> you know, whether it's Easter weekend or not. If you give people yeah. a reason to, like, want to actually go, they'll uh, they'll they'll pay the pay the money and go. I don't think uh, Sunday dinner on Easter was the uh, was the thing dragging people away from a wrestling show, was it? At the end of the day, I mm. that's Vince McMahon's line always. You know, there's always competition, isn't it? There's always um, other stuff going on. But I mean, I I think that's what's happened, though. It's like it is purely just. There was clearly, a, you know, we talked about it in BWE, there was clearly that excitement, you know, from, from some circles for just the idea that, like, a progress was back. And they did better than any of us expected, didn't they, for those, like, that, at least that first show and then, you know, maybe maybe a, a couple since. But it's always going to go this way because, you know, they'll... It's one of them. I get so much grief for like I, 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 I'm I'm no longer allowing Big Guns Joe to be the post boy of this. I'm just picking on the Lycos these days. But like, the, there is a genuine point here. The, the tweet that I was making. I wasn't just digging digging Lycos and Chris Ridgeway out. Chris Ridgeway versus Kid Lycos, like which was 
the replacement for the Jonathan Gresham match because you know he had a, as JP said on the daily update you know he had an injury it was area it was all very uh, you know club player going on international duty to me but anyway he had an injury and he's coming back in May so you know they, yeah. they have they have rearranged them for later on but like you put that you put that match on and it's like yeah of course of course you know a hundred to two hundred people are gonna are gonna be there in the building because that's what that match draws that's that's you know in the ballpark of what that match would draw at, like, a Tuesday night graps or, you know, a catch wrestling or, you know, a place where that is kind of the level of that match. I mean, that's... I feel like, if anything, we're just seeing things, you know, stabilise. You know, there'll be exceptions, obviously. You know, a big York Hall show where they, where Rev Broken being in a Minoru Suzuki or, you know, potentially mm-hmm. a big progress show. Although I don't really know what they look like. But, I mean, yes, that's the level of wrestler and that's the level of fan that show should draw like and yeah no matter no matter what brandon you put on it or, or try to you know re- reignite the uh the, the old flame of progress it's that that's what it is at this point yeah that's that's the realistic state of british wrestling mm-hmm. where it is small very small spot shows building up a young roster it takes time not having to rely on like kind of like imports in order to do that kind of work for you and you've got to find a way, you've got to find a way of telling stories. You've got to find a way of being able to tell some interesting stories, which I think is is one of the issues that I found when I went to the progress show that that I did, which I think has only just come out on VOD um on the network at the week at the weekend. So it just sort of like felt like what are the stories, what are the angles here? There's a lot of stuff here that that kind of just sort of disappears into the ether. This links into the article from from our friend Will Cooling um, that he did on on his Substack, um, where he was. Yeah. Thanks for, for carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are like some interesting points generally about what can be done mm. and and where they are. But I think the reality is is that a a promotion that's going to run twice a month trying to draw seven hundred is just not it's not happening. There isn't one that's there. There isn't a roster to support it. And even if there are a wave of NXT UK releases, there still wouldn't be a roster to support it. This is very much back into growth periods. It's just like you're imagine wrestling as like a a a, a league in kind of like a, a small a, a smaller top European league, and it's just had all its best players like Holland would do, and they just get taken out, and they have to kind of rebuild themselves a lot of the times like clubs and everything else and that's what they're going to have to do and there's no way you can do that easily there's no short like way of doing it so what do you do i think you try and minimize on those those costs try and like uh, the idea of luke jacobs as atlas champion but why not like we'd all be kind of happy with it but you'd go full on board with him much in the same way, I think I said the same thing about Warren Banks a few weeks ago. It's just that's what you have to do. It may not work. It may work, but it's worth giving it a pun. It's just, a, a, but, and at the same time, then hope when, because it, maybe it's, maybe it's the optimist in me that thinks NXT UK is closing down as well. Um, but you look at them, if there's any people who can then come out, then you've got sort of younger stars who they could, you know, imagine then put over in order to establish them. But we're in these early kind of growth periods where it isn't going to be sellouts a lot of the time. Like Rev Pro have got the smartest business model of all, but sometimes for a lot of their shows, they don't draw great. 
whether it be sort of like a, a Huntingdon or a Sheffield, it's, you know, they're not always like the biggest of crowds, but it's about having a presence out there, but it takes time. And what they're not getting is, is this idea of the progress that needs to be kind of almost, it's difficult. Don't want to change all of the branding because that's kind of who they are. That's no, what you've bought. <laughs> you reckon? Well, change a lot. You can't. You, you can't. <laughs> yeah, but you can't do anything about that now. Can no. you? You 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 have this. Oh no! Like I was I mean, gonna. Um, yeah, just to that point. So like I was gonna say, like you know, like, to to clarify what was in Will's article. Nobody of progress has contacted me right now for that for my advice on you know what they should do because the the answer my answer to that would be. I don't know. Shouldn't have bought it. Like I don't know. I don't think there's a. You know, we can pick apart at like the issues and the obvious issues and the obvious, uh, you know, state of things. Considering you know what they have to do with their you know alleged big shows this weekend and and, and move them down to a, to a venue that small. But like, if you said to me, you know, what would you actually do to fix it? Not really sure. You know, I really don't know what there isn't really an answer. Like I kind of just think uh, that's you know the the brand is is dead. You know, you look at the the fact that you know they are you know trying to you know run with as, as I said on B two B with all of these you know the the chapter naming convention. You know, bringing back the Atlas Belt, trying to do things in the it's kind of like the the ghost of, of progress past. Still trying to kind of fit that mold. It couldn't come across kind of more phony. And then you know, like I've said before you've got the you know the promoters all over things looking like you know david brent one and two you know that like the luke jacobs winning that title like was so cool like like as something to do it's like oh you know what luke jacobs somebody i've liked for a long time he's the type of person you should put on that role and then you plaster all over, over social media you know the pictures of the the two owners with them and it's just like trying to recreate that you know we're, we're all part of this together we're kind of like you know like the like the previous mm. ownership was like I just don't I think you need to stay away from that. Do things like put Luke Jacobs over and, you know, stay the course with people like that. Bring in a, a Ricky Knight Jr. like it seems like they're doing, which I'm sure Rev Pro won't yeah. do, but I think that's a positive. Michael Oku should be right behind them, by the way. But I don't know I understand why they're still not using him. But I think you're better off doing that than trying to if I had any advice, than trying to like recreate what it was before and trying to just yeah, do it with just new bodies. I mean I, I think JP you know, JP used the word reality, and I think that's just something that I think people just need to like embrace the reality a little bit more. And you know, obviously, you got yourself into a bit of a uh, Twitter war <laughs> this week's Twitter war uh, with a uh, on the old like toxic toxic positive. That never happened before you went away, Gary. <laughs> you, you never did this. You go away, mate. It's what <laughs> but it's like it, it just that side of things just needs to to be embraced. And, and, and I can understand that like people are trying to be like, let's be positive. Let's try and like build the product up and things like that. But it's almost like by being too positive about things, it then like it becomes self-defeating, it becomes like a negative. Like there's there's almost this like like credibility gap that people are trying to tell you that it's as good as it's ever been and it's the best ever. And, and then they're saying this in the same week that like progress has had to move ballroom shows to the dome kind of thing that like you said to me there can you imagine gareth when you were a season ticket holder like that happening i couldn't imagine you know i remember the first time a show didn't sell out at the ballroom and there was still tickets available on the day pre-pandemic and that was a shock to the system it was like fuck what the ballroom hasn't sold out like mm. this isn't this is incredible so the idea that it like moved to to to, to that level but it just 
there's almost but what you get is you just get that like credibility gap so it's like this is great that was great everything's awesome you know Britres is is back etc etc you almost just kind of like just just calm down and take a step back and it because then if you keep saying that then when something is good then people just aren't going to believe it and then that the, yeah. the, that that total like credibility side of things is just is just lost completely and if you almost just embrace that it's like this is a scene that we're building back up again and it's not perfect and there are going to be some things that are a bit okay and certain things you know you know we might not sell out or you know you know, matches are going to be happening that aren't going to be of the level of before, and we don't need to like keep harking back to what's gone before and things. Those feel like sort of like the small steps, longer term thing that needs to to happen to kind of build it back up. And you know, when when I was on here before, like we previously talked about, like our Rev Pro managed to do that during the pandemic in the empty crowds mm-hmm. and things like that, sow the seeds and lay the things for what they've been able to to, to grow on on the back of. I think progress are kind of having to do that in front of a live you know live audience in front of a, a, a real crowd but just just embrace it embrace that it's different embrace that it's not the it's not progress as the number one indie in the world that the world's talking about and things like that that all this satin you know or everything's all this satin the other because it's not the case and people aren't stupid and then if you t- if you keep telling them how great it is people just aren't going to buy it you know yeah. there, there's, there's almost that reality check that just needs to be brought in and if you do that and then you build something up that is good and the good shit happens on there there are good storylines there are good matches then people will see that and start to believe it mm. and maybe there is something that can build out of the the ashes but you can't you can't play people that you know we can't build a scene on people just saying that everything's great yeah we don't need cheerleaders we had cheerleaders for a very long time well, that's like, our job, JP. Our job is to promote. Yeah, I know. No, it isn't. <laughs> I hate that one. No. I was like, why, why do we isn't. promote what you... Let's, no, Grace, give an honest opinion. <laughs> like, you know, that's... Yeah. No one's paying me to, uh, to, to promote British wrestling. That's the promoter's job, you know? I was going to say, uh, like, and our audience isn't the wrestling companies. <laughs> like, it really isn't. It, it's, it's, it, you're giving an... You're, you're supposed to be giving an honest review about whether or not this is worth people's time and money. And you know, I've often felt like there is a kind of there's a level of responsibility with 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 that type of stuff if people then find out they wasted their time and everything else. But the reality check is good. Like the shock to the system is something that that should be good, and it should be a case of thinking outside of the box. The issue is, have you got the people kind of behind the scenes and the kind of links and the connections to get in kind of younger people? And, and slightly more interesting people and think about what you're going to do sort of like gimmick wise, but finding a home, but I mean, you know, finding a home base in London, I think it's going to end up being the dome. But I think if they're going to think of it as, as a way of cutting down costs, I think that's the way it's going to end up being. Um, it's whether or not they, you know, do they do a similar thing in Manchester? Do they find that other kind of base as well? Because as you guys mentioned, I mean, there's, there's stuff that goes on around the Northwest, but I think the stuff that seems to do well, as far as I'm aware, is family shows around Easter that'll do some decent numbers. But well, we those right. are things that, yeah, they exist off the radar, don't they? Like those, those types of things. And, you know, sometimes you see like a lot of the shows, they're not, they're, they're, you know, how many people do you see on a card or you don't need to see 
various kind of multi-person matches and the rest of it. I'm not saying you have to go back to a, I don't know, three three singles matches and a rumble match in the second half of the show, but I think there's ways and means that you can kind of cut down things to a level and then you've got like a kind of a, again, to bring up the football analogy, you're clearing your squad out and you're getting, you're working out what is the best, most cost-efficient way, what is the best way to moneyball your kind of roster and what you have and what you can use and for the dates for it. I think that's what they're going to have to go back and do. But the, the, the danger is, and again, obviously we've talked about this in the past as well, is is just that kind of like misalignment between things like the ticket prices and the, the, mm-hmm. the matches that are on offer. Now, I'm not going to say they're, they're bad. They're, they're bad wrestlers or bad matches or things like that. I'll but it that. is that it does. Well, I was going to yeah, leave leave you leave that up to you. But like, but these are you know a lot of these matches are matches that you know I've seen five six times before for a tenner in Manchester or Liverpool or wherever and things you know. And it's the point you always come back to is that if you're going you know you know if somebody came out and says that they've got the best cereal ever and it's the best cereal and you've got to have it and it's like you know and they charge three times as much as cornflakes and then you eat it and you're like oh these are just cornflakes kind of thing then you're not going to pay three times as much to to eat them again are you kind mm-hmm. of thing and it's like it's it's the same for this where you can see these matchups with different wrestlers and you can see it for a tenner or you can see it for a 30 quid ticket or a 25 quid ticket plus you travel plus etc and there's only so long people are going to, you know, sustain that. You know, if the if the whole mm-hmm. experience and everything around it doesn't doesn't match up either. And again, that's the problem they they face. It, like if you do have, like you say, if you move to the dome and you've got like a smaller cost base and things, you know, maybe you can get away with keeping those high ticket prices for that core hardcore smaller audience that they've got these days who are prepared to pay that. And then at least you like clawing back more revenue by those high ticket prices from that, you know. Fan fan base who's who's buying in buying into it, but yeah, you know, God, it just seems folly to me to be trying to sell seven hundred tickets at that price to watch guys that you can see anywhere you want. You know, it's probably a hard lesson they've had to had to learn. Um, but like, yeah. you know, I think hopefully a lesson has has been learned there. Like, it's just yeah, that, that is the state of things. It's like you know another point. You know, I was having a conversation with Will about it, and like. You know, his kind of point was like, why would you, you know, especially when this stuff lands on VOD and the like, like, why, why, why would you go out your way to watch this stuff when there is so much other, you know, things to take your attention and money? Like, why, you know, yeah. if I can stay at home and watch, you know, those three AW shows from this week and that New Japan pay-per-view that was on fight, like those things are even, you know, your competition at this point. Never mind the idea of imagine, you know, like I said, I will be harder on some of this stuff you know i just can't imagine you know like i like i would have years ago even without having a wrestling podcast rushing out to get the, the on demand to watch you know kid like us versus chris we have a nice little three-star match mm. you know why there isn't that you know if anything it kind of is regressing back to a you know a live experience kind of product that's kind of what it'll have to be because you know what can be offered and what can be done and that's why we always say i don't think there's a, a magic solution or like where the genius is you've got the answer i don't think there is an answer you know but my answer would be the kind of probably wouldn't try with trying to make progress what it was before i probably would go a different route and 
do something new because you know the big boom period of Brit Res, if, if there ever is one again, isn't going to come with the you know the pieces we've got right now. It's going to be in a few years with a different set of characters and a different set of you know circumstances for, for something like that to, to happen. Like, it is just yeah, you've got to be honest and call a spade a spade. And it that is what it is right now. There just there isn't much going on. Some different booking voices in the room as well. I think that's part of the issue. If we think of progress, like from when you know, you know, from when we were all going on on the reg, there were storylines. Don't get me wrong, and I know we will say that you know there was the havoc Osprey storyline, but there was always sort of stuff going on in terms of like character development and various other things that would be happening throughout the shows. You don't really—I never got a sense of that when I, the show I was at. That those kind of things—they were like there were matches that were happening, there were angles leading up to a future match, but there really wasn't anything kind of like beyond that. So you didn't feel like you're getting in on the ground floor on anything. And I think that's where you kind of, and if you haven't got that kind of killer atmosphere to go along with it. So, and it's a long process. It's not the kind of stuff that happens overnight. You're trying to rebuild goodwill of a brand. And to give you a, a, another sort of case, look at something like impact wrestling, which now gets kind of like a eh, decent price. How many years have they had to go to get to that point? how much money has had to be lost in order to get to this point, which is still, I never believe, I mean, a, a break-even promotion, and I don't think it ever will be. Yeah, and even now, people, that's the problem, and, you know, your brand is yeah. as tarnished as a brand like Progress is or, like, Impact was. You know, even, even though it's good now, Impact, you know, people aren't, don't trust it to give it another chance. That's the the problem yeah. they've got. You know, they could be they could be offering the best wrestling product on TV and no for a good watcher at this point because it's kind of that far gone. It's going to take time for, for people to forgive and, to, and mm. to come back. So, yeah, there is that too. But I don't know, what I'm hearing from you lads is that you're just very excited to uh, to go to the big Cardiff weekender and, you know, get to see... Get to see progress run uh, on the weekend with NXT UK and, and WB card. I mean, I assume that's where everyone's going to see you next, Garrett. That's where we're all we're all going to go. We're all going to uh, all going to be there. Like, I'm sure you got your hotel booked already, or are you doing a matty and you're uh, piling your way into the Ogden's uh, hotel room and <laughs> talking your way to sleeping on the floor? You know, what a worker! It's the best. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I won't be in Wales. Um, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that announcement, and I was just like, what, 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 "Why? Who? Like, I, I, you can't even coax me into watching the product. I couldn't even stay awake for WrestleMania. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, why, why am I going to go all the way to Wales and pay through the nose to stand in the front in a stadium and watch fucking Drew McIntyre against, you know, whatever?" Seth Rollins or something like that. Just do not care in the in, in the slightest. It's uh, definitely a, I, can't, I can't believe that I, I'm actually shocked by how well received it seems to just have been. Like just on the on the Twitter timeline and things like that. Like people who I probably wouldn't have expected to have been like well up for it, been well up for it, like going. But just generally, just the when you look at the tickets pre sales and all that, you're just like, oh well, fair fucks kind of thing. Like. You know, it's probably going to be a big occasion, and you know, I'll, uh, people will have fun there on the day. But um, I won't be one of them. I'll be, um, I'll be, a, <laughs> I'll be. There's an AW show that night, isn't there? I'll be, a, 
I'll, Coincidentally, I'll be sitting yes. at home, sitting at, sitting at home, waiting for that. This is going to be your copper box. That's what it is. Because <laughs> that's what happened last time when they ran. Yeah, because it was the same well, thing, uh, copper uh, box. Uh, NXT UK uh, takeover. Unless, yeah, unless ravishing Rick Rude comes back to life and takes on Brett Hart in a five star classic or something like that, then uh, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be my copper box uh, one bit because of, there's literally nothing that they could put on that card that is uh, going to make me regret not being there. So, uh, um, you know, there's a. Uh, there's no uh, no no will or desire for me uh, to be a Tyson. One. Tyson Fury's been teased, isn't he? As might oh, be doing it, something. Even less reason it. to go. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it hinges on Saturday, which I'd imagine he'll win again up against Dillian White. But like at the same time, it, it's that kind of like it's got good sidelines, Cardiff. It's a long time ago since I've sightlines around it but yeah I, I just don't think it's very us is it if we're going to be honest about it yeah it's better like, it'd be like better. us going to like tea in the park or something like that I'd just be like oh, I'm fucking going home this is shit it's Benno. He's, he's following those fucking storylines on Raw. Like I don't know, nobody's oh, business. He's, yeah, he's going to be hyped. I was devastated last night, mate. I was, uh, I was, I got distracted. I got to half one before I realised. Ah, oh, my favourite shows on Monday Night Raw. So I went on the FOW website and saw that uh, that Cody had been in the opening segment. Got the BT Sport app on, rewound it. I got my weekly dose of Cody, so I'm happy, mate. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And, and what's uh, the up to? In the 24/7 division. Like, <laughs> no, they still present that they are still like he's all over the like I don't know if you saw like the promotional material where it's like Smackdown it's big picture of Roman Reigns Raw it's big picture of Cody like he's like I, I, honestly I'm getting so many like John Cena vibes from Cody right now like that is purely what he what he is like he's and he was kind of what he was like leading into becoming in, in AEW he's fully realised now like you can tell Vince McMahon's in love with him you know lisp and bad tattoo be damned like he's just he's this guy right now you know, it was, a, it was a throwaway segment with Seth Rollins on the show this week and a Kevin Owens match that I actually haven't haven't caught up with. But you know, still preaching, still the open, still the guy who opens the show, still still Vince's favorite toy right now. You know, I think uh, you know it, it shocked mm. me as much as anyone. Been a good fortnight for him. <laughs> Why is that yeah. how long it's going to last? Another two, another fortnight. I was I was, was going to say let's uh, let's let's rewind let's rewind this in yeah. three months time or something <laughs> like that. At the end of the day, it's Cody Rhodes, isn't it? You know, I think it's it's almost like as as I've kind of like taken taken a step back and looked at this, it's just felt like this is Cody Rhodes kind of thing, and it's it's almost like he's pulled the greatest trick ever or something like that, and like like he's he seems to have just like hoodwinked the wrestling world that he's some Cody Sozo, yeah, 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 absolutely, Kaiser Rhodes. (laughs) Throwing a couple of possible titles. Uh, so, you know, I was uh, watching at him, looking at him, and just thinking, like, like if this is like in reality, what's he done? You know, we've done nothing but like probably slate our crap. His last twelve months has been in AW, and so much of that has been driven by by him. It was it was fun. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Like, obviously, before that, he'd had his like little runs where there was like airs of disappointments in New Japan and things like that, and him not feeling like he fit and things. And then, so, but some suddenly he just seems to have been able to just walk back into WWE as like some absolute 
megastar. It's 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 weird. It's just sort of it's, it's just like Jedi mind trick or something that he's managed to just play on the world that Cody Rhodes is somehow this like elite level you know performer over and above uh, everything else. Uh, if anything, it fucking teaches a lesson surely to everybody else on that WWE roster that you can be some shite mid mid card act with like a awful gimmick shoved your way, no storylines, um, you know working six minute matches and losing and things like that and just fuck off and come back in three years time you can get more money you can be treated with more respect you can have more control over your narrative and um <laughs> you know you can um <laughs> you can take it from a uh, take it from there like it's a it's a odd odd situation it really is that's that's what's happened it's like but that was what was worked about him in early AEW. it was like we all knew he wasn't like the wrestler the books were or kenny was but he came across as a bigger star. Like, he cracked that, like, mm. in the early days, and that was what was wrong with the last year of Cody and AW. You know, he stopped feeling like that because of the, you know, the weird placement of the weird wrestlers he was facing. Like, you know, me and JP were laughing on the weekend show at the, uh, you know, he did that interview, didn't he, last week, where he was like, yeah, I'd faced everybody I wanted to in AW. It's like, like, you didn't wrestle Brian Punk, you know, <laughs> Hangman, Kenny, like, John Moxley, basically any of the top stars. Like, he's fully, completely full of shit. That's just kind of kind of what Cody is. But that was what worked about Cody. That's why, like, you know, the Nick Aldis match, you know, pure smoke and mirrors, you know, the, the Dustin match, pure mm. smoke and mirrors, doesn't really stand up to much scrutiny um, when you go back on it. But it was that, it was that star kind of presence that, like, that he cracked and, like, clearly... You know, Bruce Pritchard or somebody over at WWE had, had been watching and is clearly in love with him. Um, but I'm with, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think it'll last, but it's shocking, you know, how hard they're going with him and how hard to feature him. And like I say, it does feel like Cena 2.0 right now. It does feel like that's what uh, what Daddy Vince, uh, like uh, like Simon said in the chat, you know, you leave and Daddy Vince will love you again. That's kind of what's happened. Like, he does seem to be, have been tricked into to thinking Cody's this generational star. And that's wrestling. That'll it's always work, be it. it. <laughs> yeah, that will always be the case, though, of people mm-hmm. who leave and come back. Like, I mean, like, there's all these stories. What was it? FTR was being like, you know, they want them back, and yeah. yeah, and all these various other kind of people. And and it's 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 the only way he'll respect if you leave and achieve somewhere else. And in Cody's case, like, it's like, what did he do? Well, he helped manage to establish his major competition of what is at least going to be over the next few years. So I think there's that element of respect for that. The issue I have though at the moment is who is he in there with? It's Miz. It's, you know, it's, it's people who are kind of, who you really should have think he'd be beneath them. I know that's the Rollins true. thing. He'll no, that's not what well. Like I'm sorry, I'm a WWE defender now, but that no, I don't. Think no, you are. That's a fair way of putting it. Really, like he did a one-off with. Well, that's the way I put it. As a root of the Seth Rollins stuff, and no, they are. They, they are genuinely presenting him as the top guy there. You know, by but the match with Owens. It's when he's in there against Roman. Hmm. Then we'll see. Like, and I don't see them break. Like that's still their bread and butter. If it's on that, and that's the level. I think is is it at Roman Brock levels? Is that how hard they're going to be pushing him? And I just can't ever see that being the case. In some ways, I'm not surprised they go hard on him because, as we've said before, they have to show to people who are thinking of leaving AEW, you can leave, come back, and we you might think, oh, it's on really bad terms, and he set up all the competition. No, we'll push you to the fucking moon. Hmm. They need that. They need to be able to dangle that carrot and, mul- and millions and millions of dollars out there as well, which helps adding on to it it's like oh you'll get some some creative fulfillment and here's a shitload of cash so like i 
you know, I think that's still going to be um, the way they do it. I just don't think much beyond SummerSlam. I think they'll go through this all very quickly, and before you know it, it's it's Madcap Moss. <laughs> that's that. the name I will always throw out there. Go when you're wrestling him, you're done. You're not you're not <laughs> with Butch. Like fucking, <laughs> that's another. One. That's one of my favorites. Like all these NXT UK guys, like see Pete. Honestly, still see Pete Dunne as like a success story. He's like they're treating him like he's a toddler. Do you see that like a picture when he's like tied up in yeah. rope by his big brother, Seamus and my boss? It's like Scrappy Doo meets Peaky Blinders. <laughs> that's the best you can hope for, lads. Like if you think that's success, you know. And if any of you think he's a fucking getting on that card of show, you got another thing coming. Like, but yeah, that that's the level. Well, I mean, the yeah, the thing with that is, is and again, I, I haven't been following that, so I don't know the uh, the way that this story's like evolved. But at the end of the day, it was like Rich Holland was pitched above him. I don't know if that's still the case three weeks later and that's the guy who wasn't the saviour of Brit Rest it wasn't the Indy Darling it wasn't the greatest worker this side of the sun it's just a rugby league player who's a massive fucking meathead who's uh, just more in fitting with the the, the WWE style and he was pitched as the tag team partner with Butch as the you know the did you say the other Spike Dudley on the outside kind of thing? You know, it's it's you know, and again that just you know it just shows you from from that point of view if fucking it's all the way down and puts in the chat. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a title that way. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Very, really. very good. But yeah, that uh, but the Rich Holland's the success story. Because <laughs> he's 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 the one who's you know ultimately you know, like got there first and was like positioned higher obviously you'll see like long um, longer term down the line but like again he's not carrying this whole potential side of things to me he's not the guy who could or should be doing more he's but he's also he's not the guy who's getting um you know treat <laughs> Looking like a toddler weight, you know, looking like this tiny guy who's a side act kind of thing, who's who's a comedy aside for a short period of time or something like that. You know, it's just um, odd. I think odd. Should, should have left, gone to AEW, came back, and a few years later, be treated like he's a star, you know. And to you know, to, to your point there, JP, that FTR, that's going to be interesting. Like if you know they do continue to stick the landing with Cody, which you know, as much as like I, I quite I enjoy following as a you know as a new story. Don't get me wrong, I've got no faith in them. You know, not fucking this up by June either, but like. They might actually try and try, at least in their own way, you know, think they are protecting Cody and pushing him well because they want. Imagine they, imagine that was a one-two convo, you know, we're all raving about FDR this last, mm. you know, two months or so. And then those lads who were so vocal about how much they hated WWE, imagine they went back and imagine they were, you know, were treated well on the uh, on the back of this AEW run. Like, they, you do feel like there's a bit of a change in tide there if that's that. Well. There's always money to throw FTR for it. However, there'd be a couple of things I wouldn't say to be the case. One, WWE are never going to push tag team wrestling to be something that's big and meaningful. And at the minute, they're getting their critical buzz for the first time, but also they haven't done Japan for the entire time because of the pandemic. And that's the thing they want to do. I can't see them not wanting to do to have IWGP tag team titles. Whatever we think of the New Japan tag team division. Like, that's the kind of stuff they'll want to do. They'll want to do a tag league or something along those lines. They want to have that kind of stuff so they can then go look at us. We've won tag title, the major tag titles, and everywhere we've been, you know, that kind of like kind of bigger legacy. So I think those are the things that are there. And if they carry on where they are now, like, I think 
for them, I, I, I mean, outside of money, I just don't know what WWE can offer them. Because yeah. it's not going to be creative fulfillment, and it's the thing they've complained about before. I'd have zero sympathy. I'd go, all right, you've signed up and you've you've made a fortune, but what when they've wrestled the Usos, I mean, the street not, profits, then what? I mean, up until this last two months, though, let's not pretend FTR's like creative. Oh no, AW was good, you know. And if you listen to and you know maybe people should, maybe people shouldn't. But if you listen to like the likes of Cornette, you can tell FTR are leaking stuff too because he's constantly going on about how they're booked and you know how the books are always trying to undercut them and you know that they definitely you know haven't been a hundred percent happy in AW. But that has you know that does seem to turn around in these these last couple of months. But you have to believe they're going to make that play, you know. And it's like it's one of them. It's like there's people who you can absolutely you know you look at like a Moxley. You know, I know there's been talk about him. Isn't in a million? Is can't think his contracts up this year. In a million years, is he not going back to WWE? And I know we've all been wrong on these shots before, including Cody. But I mean, that one is one you would have to imagine wouldn't happen. But I don't know. I think people will surprise us, and I think as these contracts come due this year, I think there's going to be lots of stories like this. I, I, I hope they do. Get a lot. I hope mm-hmm. they do. It's yeah, great. You're I love it. For that, aren't you? Mm. But, you yeah. know, this is this is this is what you want. Like as much as again. I'm not going to watch WWE product. That Cody stuff was the most buzz and most like interested I've been in something happening in WWE in like forever. Just because it was like yeah. wild, it was just fucking mental. How it was just like something that you didn't think could or would ever happen, and then it just like came from left field. And like you know, we talk about like keeping like you know, I'm looking at this from an AW perspective as well, and it's like where you have got Logjam on their roster and things like that as well. Like I probably you know. Th- there's people there who do I care if FTR signed for WWE? No, I don't. You know, they've put on that like great match at ROH. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. stuff like you know, the the match the other day, that was that was good and things. But if they go the other way, then like it's just something that's like, oh wow, that's like it shook things up and things, and it's just like creates a gap for somebody else on the card for to be booked differently or to get a bigger spot or to, you know, it's it's to 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 me that's the whole point of having that second company and you know and as as long as it's not my absolute favourites who I want to be watching with creative freedom in their wrestling and in their storylines doing it and like disappearing off AEW and suddenly turning up at WWE I'm 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 all, I'm all for it and and that's a that's a pretty small list you know when it comes mm-hmm. comes down to it I think it's uh, it's great there's there's no better thing than that shock factor of somebody just showing up on a show and just been surprised that they're there. What have we had for the last, like, kind of 20-odd years? You've Randy had people on. there with 15-year <laughs> legacy, 17-year legs, 23. Oh, fucking, what? That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. At least six months of it was good, mate. Like, Matty will tell you it was longer, but... Yeah, six months. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm fearing, fearing that fucking mixtape. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 it's a situation where it's it's kind of the... It should it was the best thing for everyone. It was the whole reason why the territory system for all of its various failings was something that worked and it worked in order to get talent better because they had to go learn. But also when they went somewhere, you were able to have a kind of very clear booking arc of when they were there and how long you could use them for. Plus at the same time, everyone was fresh. Now, that wouldn't always be the case, but if you can imagine if people did like kind of a slight tour of the of the UK and Europe and then, you know, somebody ends up in, in Ring of Honor, like there's an hopefully then enough indies there for people to kind of go out and do a 
do a few different things and just various other promotions. Impact is one where you can drop in and out of. MLW is one you can drop in and out of. And it's just the kind of thing where they they just have that freedom to, to be able to do that. It'd be better. It would shake up a lot of the runs. On the bigger level with the stars, if they're going between them and it makes them seem like it's basically like good transfer gossip, isn't it? And I won't lie, I was a sucker back in the day when Team Talk would have Arsenal in swoop for Serie A midfield ace, and I'd be like, "You fuckers! I don't have the money to be spending on this phone call." But like, <laughs> like how do I, how do I, how do I get around this? Like that kind of stuff, though. That kind of rumor of people going backwards and forwards—it's interesting because we want to see how they fit into that system. You know, that's that's what any sports fan has liked, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, you want to see how that works and varying it up is good. The issue is going to be is that in WWE, I don't, it's going to be very hard for people to be truly loved by Vince to the point where he needs to be pushing them as kind of big stars because that whole side of the story, but past Roman and Brock on the men's side is like, well, who else is there? There's a long drop off. Cody, mate, that's who it is. But anyhow, you'll end, you'll end up in Edge Country soon enough. Man. Oh, that's so bad. Have you seen that fucking? Did you? That's one thing I saw from Raw last night. Like, I, I just had it on in the background, and like AJ Styles was was like was backstage, and then all of a sudden the room went blue, and someone had literally just plugged in a blue LED, and Edge and you know the Al bastard from NXT, what's his name, Damien Priest, turned up, spooky scared him <laughs> and got rid of him. And then we got a really bad edge kind of like, you know, monologue of a pro, of a backstage pro on that show. as well. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Like, awful. Oh, and I never liked edge anyway. But Is it pure Amdram? Oh, full on, full on. But he, you can tell he thinks he's doing Oscar bait. Like, that's the <laughs> that's what it is. Mate, he looks more and more like a white walker by the fucking week, doesn't <laughs> oh. he? He's really one we does. There was talk of him because that's the reason they re-signed him. He was threatening to go to yeah. WWE, wasn't he? Like you know, throw my moaning about Christian. Like I'll take him any day, any day over uh, Edge. But you mentioned Christian there. When Christian's deal's up, because you can't imagine that's much more than two years. That should be the kind of deal they go. All right, at the end of it all, your job is to get Jungle Boy over. He gets Jungle Boy over. WWE will have happily have him back on a big enough contract, and he goes. Do you know what? He came over here. He helped get over Jungle Boy, who we wanted to be one of our stars for the future. If if that's like that's kind of the way it should be, really, <laughs> is doing that. And and we're starting to see, I think we're gonna see a lot by the end of April of the sort of a the, the people who are gone from AW because their contracts haven't been renewed, like your Jack Evans and the like. Not that by the way. Thanks for that, Gary. Um but yes, um <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I mean do, do they ever come for Hangman Page? Like that's a question, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that, you know, or put, you know, homegrown AEW type stars, you know, it's one thing to, to bring back Cody because, you know, he's got that, you know, that story of, you know, being an ex-WDB guy and he's familiar to Vince, but they start coming for people like that, that, you know, that shows you how things really, really are. Where I fear for like what you'd imagine for like the four pillars type, even MJF is as good as he is on the mic. Vince just goes the size. Mm. Like that would be it. Like there would still always be that gap for him to be able to, to kind of get over. But Hangman, I think is different. I think Hangman, they would do it, but they would, I don't think they'd get the kind of promo that he is. Mm. I think MJF, they very quickly, I could 
I could see them not having faith in his wrestling and putting him into kind of what is effectively like a managerial role and as a kind of like mouthpiece type figure, which is, you know, I'm not saying he should be wrestling all the time and he is much more like of a LA special Day. attraction than AW. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Read that and I saw that today. I was like, Jesus Christ. But you know what? That's probably the best thing for him. He's four years old. <laughs> yeah. He's not, not any good in the ring. Yeah. He can talk. He has the kind of look that they like. Put him in there as a manager. Makes complete sense. I don't know. I, I, he seems more like he'd be a better fit for the main wrestler than a lot. You know, you, you see a Kashida get released and you, and you go, uh, sorry, uh, no, I'm talking about uh, LA Knight still. Oh, like, oh, yeah. You, you see like a Kashida get released and you go, yeah, of course Kashida didn't go to WWE. Of course not. You know, he was a short guy who, who couldn't talk. Right. Did a, you know, back to the future gimmick. Like, of course. Like, you know, <laughs> LA Knight could happen, you know. He, I was thinking about the Kashida stuff today because it's a really strange position in that he was always a junior who kind of wrestled more like a heavyweight mm. who had a gimmick that was tired in like 2016. Like I, I was like, Jesus, I'm kind of bored of this now and never changed. And they didn't show the faith to put him into the heavyweight division, stayed around the juniors for too long. So he sort of stale and stagnated. I could see him coming back in and slotting straight back into the juniors as well. But mm. like his entire run, like what, what was the point? What was the point? He would have made a few quid. That's basically it. But it's like three years of his life where it's like, well, you know, made some money in WWE. It's, oh, it's, yeah. I think it's a great loss. He would have just spent three years doing the same thing he did <laughs> in the previous three years in New Japan, which he's about to do for I'm, the same for the next three years. Exactly. <laughs> He'll do it for the next three years. I think, I think I was daily felt when he yeah. left New Japan, like how many times you're just like, oh, Kashida again kind of thing. And like at that point, and then he left and now he comes back and at least he's, at least he's going to feel fresh for six months, twelve months, or something like that. Right. More so than if we'd been watching him, you know, yeah. month and month out for the past three he years. Well. <laughs> we'll look at the puffer and the denim jacket and go, "Oh my god!" Wow. A re- that film is set in nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> That's Kenny Williams. Nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and he's gone from strength to strength as well. Uh, I, I love that Back to the Future trilogy, as I said this morning on the Daily Update. It's class. And I know Vince people give the it. third one shit. Has Vince seen it? Vince has maybe seen the first one. Well, Vince's spirit animal is Biff, Biff Tannen, isn't it? Let's face it. That's <laughs> like, it. It appears to be someone like, you know, if he falls into that into that kind of dark mindset, I imagine he thinks, what would Biff do? Biff would act like a dick. And then he'd steal uh, the gambling almanac. But anyway, that's back to the future too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't know if it's a thing to base your whole gimmick around in 2022. I'm with you, JP, on that one. Um, but no, it, it was Tony Khan. It was Tony Khan, George McFly. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of is, isn't he? He's like he, he's, he, he has got a bit of the George McFly about him. Hopefully, um, he gives Vince yeah. a dig as well. Then one day. <laughs> He will do as long as he doesn't write that shit sci-fi book. <laughs> he does, he... But he bought him a new van, so happy days. <laughs> Mikey says part three is the best part of the future. <laughs> oh, it is good, mate. It is good. It's even good that even ZZ Top doing that song. And I know people give that Doc Brown having a romance stuff. Look, don't get fucking wound up about that. That was perfectly fine. The flying train at the end stuff, right? That's bullshit, but it's 
film about fucking time traveling students. What the hell are you expecting? It's like watching weird science and complaining. Well, the molecular structure wouldn't have created Kelly LeBrock like that. <laughs> uh, she was never my. Uh, it was the weird science TV show. Was uh, was the real one for me, not the uh, not the movie. But Aww. I was on trouble when I was a teenager. What are you going to do? And the girl on that was way better. But hey, weird science, the TV show. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they recreated it. Yeah. It was uh yeah, it was an experience, but no, I mean <laughs> go back say I'm back on topic. And yet maybe we'll do uh, Back to the Future <laughs> as a film club at some point, JP. Um <laughs> I'd more than happily do that. <laughs> but like on you know, we mentioned there, you know, Hangman Page came up and you mentioned it on the the daily update today, JP. Do we do we need to talk about Hangman Page? Do we need to have, as we get into the AEW we stuff have a conversation about it? I think this week of all weeks seems to uh the prime week to do it, especially with uh, with Gareth checking in the man who, uh, according to uh, to certain corners of the internet, once said the Hangman Page wasn't over. Uh, apparently, that's what you said, Gareth. I've heard, I've heard that somewhere, but um, <laughs> you know, but at this uh, crucial point, aren't we in his uh, in his title run? Where you know we've kind of had, you know, a we had the big win over Kenny. We had the the two fantastic, you know, Briar matches. He's then apparently been on Dynamite, <laughs> I think. Uh, he's been feuding with Adam Cole for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had, the uh, obviously, the payoff uh, this week on uh, on Rampage, which uh, you know didn't do uh, particularly well in viewership, although that quarter hour was uh, was up on the rest of it, to be to be fair, but still not a, you know, a strong number overall for a, a rare TV match on, uh, on TV. Um, again, even, you know, out of... Uh, out of time slot, but yeah, we're at an interesting point with it with Handman Page. How do we feel? You know, we did the uh, we did the the Kenny Omega uh, podcast talking about you know his title run. Kind of feel like we're going to end up having doing a Hangman one and having a similar conversation. You know, considering we're we're about kind of is in the grand scheme of things. Because I've got to say, like going into that that Rampage title match, like it didn't. Although, like I say, there are a multitude of factors to consider with that that weak number. I feel like he still got a lot of things wrong, you know. I, I feel like, to be honest, I feel like even putting it on Rampage made it feel lesser than. But then again, I think the build itself made it feel lesser than. Like nobody believed Adam Cole had a you know Catel and chance of ever beating you know Adam Page the first time. Never mind the second time. The segments have always felt like the four. You know, Jamesy kind of said it. You know, the fourth or fifth most important thing on on any given show like hangman himself has felt like the fourth or fifth most important thing on on any given show like i mean hopefully they're out to you know step forward step up and you know if, if they're doing a pump match at, at double or nothing maybe you know it becomes the priority you know on dynamite going forward but i don't know it felt like a very much like a, a bit of a bit of a b champion um, this last while and yeah, it didn't really shock me that, you know, interest wasn't really that much going into the uh, the Adam Cole match. And, yeah, he's just kind of, yeah, I don't know if, like, maybe, you know, him beating Kenny, in fact, definitely him beating Kenny was the right end to that story. I've made the argument myself that I think, and, you know, to mention James again, James, you made the argument that I think maybe, you know, with hindsight, I might have even put Brian over and, you know, would have, we would have enjoyed the last few months of Brian being, you know, the, the champion and maybe he, he would have been more of a focus of the shows. And I know a lot of people push back on that as a thing. It's like, well, you know, if you had Hangman win the belt and then he immediately gets punked out by, by Brian, how does that make him look? But I don't know if making him this B-plus champion for this long... It's helping him either, you know? He feels a bit out of his depth for me. Um, I don't know. 
any th- thoughts on that and where we are on air with Hangman Pages yeah, as we as we get towards May and get towards you know six months of a uh, of a title reign at this point. I don't know if it's a Hangman Page problem or it's just an AEW booking World Heavyweight Champions problem because yeah. this is something that we've talked about in the past while there's been you know good elements to some of the previous championship reigns. There's been plenty where they've felt like there was potential left to do more with and make them feel bigger than they did and often feeling like they're a bit secondary to other stuff that's going on in the company as well. I think the problem that we've had here with Paige is like you say there is, you know, who are you saying? Was it James? He's saying it like sometimes feeling like the third, fourth most important thing on the show. And that's definitely been the case in the way that he's presented, like leading up to this. Like one of the things even in that Rampage show from the other day, as I was watching it, it, it felt weird to me that there was like there's a world title match. There's a fucking world title match at the end of the show, and they barely mentioned it throughout. Like you, you're going through these kind of like undercard matches, and they were like promoting matches that were going to be on Dynamite next week, and they were promoting like Battle of the Belt stuff. And I was thinking, Hangman Page is defending his title tonight, and nobody's talking about it. Why is nobody talking about the we're fact still- that this, there's a world title match here on your TV sets that you can just watch today? Like, and it, it just like thought, you know. 40 minutes went by and it was almost like it was just an afterthought and it kind of just feels a little bit like that, you know, that was the way it was it was treated. And, you know, again, listening to you, like, use over the last couple of weeks, you know, you've, you've sort of said about that, almost that credibility, that believability that Cole was going to win the title. I don't think anyone did. And the fact that it was shoved away on Rampage just made it even feel less so. And then even the way that the presentation of it during that program, like... I didn't on believe well. for a second. Yeah, I didn't believe for it at all. Like they barely mentioned it. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is one of this. In theory, again, when you see the reactions that Adam Cole gets or was getting um, initially, um, it should it should be <laughs> like it is a fucking big match for a large section of AW's fan base, but it just wasn't presented in that way. And you know, world title matches should feel a bit more special, especially when it's something that's sporadic as well it's not like the world titles getting defended week in week out you know it's something that it's, it's an occasion for the for the for a world title to be defended off a pay-per-view and um they've just been very very poor at poor at presenting that you know is it's it it's it's a problem they need to sort i think it's a i think it's completely a booking problem rather than than him um and it's for the simple reason that there appears to be a lot of bigger wrestlers, bigger name wrestlers who aren't interested in going for the title, which doesn't really make the title worthwhile chasing. It isn't something that appears to be the focus on their minds. I mean, you talk about the stuff that they build up coming. It feels like a world title match on a rampage is given as much important as an FTR title match is going to be, or FTW uh, title match is going to be, or a coffin match will be. It's, it, it was kind of just presented as a gimmick match. And there was there was no, this match just shouldn't have existed. Because I think up to that point, in terms of the feud, I think from a match perspective, they've actually been very, it's been very good. It's been better than Kenny Omega's. I think between, you know, you look at the Danielson match, you look at the, the Lance Archer match, I think there's a lot more stuff there. And even, even the Cole match from the pay-per-view. But it doesn't feel like then at that point, they know really what, what they're going to position him into afterwards. Where it's like, you know, he defeats his mandatory challenger, he shouldn't be looking at like an automatic rematch in that way. There's other people. There's, there's 
too many people who you can put him in there with who are kind of interesting little matchups. But you can still build to it. It should still be the focus. Like, it should be the case where, you know, Danielson and Moxley should be side-eyeing each other because they both want to have a go at, at Hangman's world title. It should be that. Fundamentally, it should be the, you know, it should be the Iron Throne. It should be the thing that is fundamentally in all of those wrestlers' thoughts about what they want to do because wrestling is predicated on the idea that ultimately, from a sports perspective, is that somebody wants to be champion. And a lot of the times, it just feels like a lot of the main cast aren't interested in being champion. So therefore, the champion himself kind of becomes uninteresting. And and, and it's been this way with Kenny Omega. Um you know, I think the more the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff is given more, it's, it's given a lot more thought and a lot more kind of more weight, isn't it? And we've seen this for a while, and it's it's the issue of just trying to put so much stuff into it that the world title has, has suffered, That's and we've seen this with the women's world title as well. All the titles, really, like none of the, the TNT yeah. title, the yeah. TNT yeah. title. Oh, yeah, the credit, the credibility of that has, has absolutely gone out of the window. That felt like it felt important at first, and now it's just it's, it's like you know to, to counteract this idea of oh we're bringing in too many people and you know we're focusing on like all the wrestlers. Like Tony puts all the belts on these young up and up and coming stars. You know the tag belts. You know Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have got them. Hamman's mm-hmm. got the title. Sam Guevara has got the, the TNT title. But they're not. You know it, it's kind of it's 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 laid bare that, that, that while they are technically the champions, they're not the stars of the show. And that's where kind of like I think. I kind of I'm split on on it really because I do think and this, this is an important point to say, you know, the shows overall have been pretty fucking amazing for a while, and you know that is that is true. And where I agree with you, Gareth, as well, where I do think, you know, this is almost a feature, not a bug, of the way Tony Khan books. Maybe part of why the shows are so good is because we are focusing on so many little things. You know, the Blackpool Combat Club are doing this, Punk and MJF are doing this. You know, and Yes, Hangman gets you know lost in the shuffle, and you know maybe you know we've definitely got a philosophical problem with you know the world title getting lost in the shuffle, but it's kind of a symptom of just the way Tony books, and it's like you know it's it's kind of just what he does, you know, and it, like, you know we went to lengths talking about it with with Kenny and the. You know, I know a lot of corners of the internet wouldn't agree with us, but the underwhelming nature of a lot of his title reign um, and a lot of you know how he was featured on the shows. So, on the one hand, I do agree that you know there is a, I mean, maybe problem is strong, but there is a you know that is a feature of how these shows are, are laid out. And you know, I, I think in Kenny's case, it wouldn't have taken much to to make him feel just a little bit more important um, and, and make it feel a little bit more like he was you know this Rick Flair-esque world champion this champion who was you know the, the star of the show whereas with Hangman I think all of that is true but I also think and this is, again is the issue with the tag belts and, and the other belts is that he isn't at this level of being a top guy and I don't think that's necessarily you know jp pointed out the matches you know have been very good i hated the the adam cole match from this week but a lot of people liked it but you know love the lance arch match love the two brian matches you know that quality is there but that's not necessarily the same conversation is it you know is he can he carry being world champion is it fair to put him in this position because i think the booking of him really kind of shows what they really think of him you know yes he's the champion yes we had to pay off this hat this 
Omega story. Yes, Tony had this, you know, four-year plan, so he's following through with it and giving Hangman this reign. But in reality, he knows he's not really the top guy. He knows he's not really, you know, the, the guy to build your show around. He knows he can't really carry being that yet because he is still young and he, you know, kind of hasn't got that 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 level, you know, of confidence behind them or ability to be, you know, the focus of the shows as good as the work rate is. And, you know, some of the matches have been he's not a top guy yet. He might be soon, but mm. he isn't. I think with I think with that as well is like, you know, I've said on the past, I definitely agree with what you're saying there, Benno. And I just think from like a timing perspective, it just being a little bit too soon, maybe, and maybe he did just, you know, maybe he did need an establishing run with like the TNT title where he has six where he, he has that belt and he has some like banger matches there at that point that you know again while he's on the rise he you know the crowd were getting behind him more and more and it's it's a journey you can kind of take him on and continue to build his popularity and build you know who he is in front of the camera and to the audience and things like that as he goes up to the you know world title you know world title picture you know you know possibly the They've jumped the gun too soon with him there from from that perspective. I think they're in a situation now where they've you know you can't rewind kind of thing. They've just kind of got got to go with it. They've put him at that level and got to try and make the the best fist of it. You know, I almost you know I almost have this like romantic picture in my head, and I almost always think about like like that time period where you had like the rock and he was coming through and he was massively popular and things like that, but they held off on him for a while until he was like in the main event scene. And it was, it was, you know, there's those other people at that time period, Austin, Triple H to some degree and things like that, where there was that kind of like slower curve. And I almost feel like it's an equivalent thing that he could have benefited from of being just that, you know, that popular guy who's on the rise everyone can see he's on the rise the crowd are getting behind him more and more and then eventually kind of building to that to that moment in in, in many ways I, I kind of you know i almost feel like um wardlow almost is kind of coming underneath yeah. at the trajectory that hangman maybe should have been um positioned to to to, to come through there and if if that's something that's you know stretched out and done well as it has been you know so far you know potentially there might be the the, the, the longer term fruit in in that one but um it's yeah it's a it's a it, it's a it's a really odd one and then when you talk about like punk i don't know if as much as i'm a punk fan and things like that i don't know if it's the right thing to do i don't i don't know if it feels right for Punk to take the belt off him now, or whether Punk can be used in the same way that Danielson was a bit to kind of elevate him a bit, because I think Page did come out of those Danielson matches feeling more than he was. They haven't capitalized on that. Mm. Maybe they can do something with Punk that they can kind of he can come out of the Punk feud feeling a bit more than on the back of that. Because if there's anyone who can make him feel important and get him over even more, it's Punk. And then but it's then what comes beyond that. Is it Kenny then coming back or is there something with MJF or whatever kind of thing that, that builds up, builds along that line? To me, it feels a little bit cutting the legs off him maybe to stick it on Punk at this time and does Punk need it? Punk's probably better used at this time as he has been so far to make the next generation of stars feel feel more than they, 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 than they were mm. going into the feud with Punk in the, in the way that... You know, I think he, I think he did with MGF. I think 
you definitely put him into like the double or nothing. I think you, you've got to do a match with Punk. Like they've, they've teased it. There's nobody else. They should not be thinking we don't want to give away this kind of big match. That's exactly where you want to give away a big match. But also it put Paige in a position where the big focus and the big selling point would be the Punk match because it's just the nature of having Punk involved. Whereas I think a lot of the time, and this is partly AEW's booking philosophy, and I don't know if this is necessarily a bad thing, but they book an ensemble, don't they? They book depth on cards rather than it being sold like, say, a UFC show. It might be sold on two, three fights fundamentally, and you live or die on the pay-per-view buy rate by what they bring in. Whereas you could argue the way they've done things at the moment, if we talk about a conversion rate, sorry, it's going to get a bit boring, but if you're doing over 100 to 150,000 and you're getting just under a million on a weekly basis, you're probably looking at going, that's a hell of a conversion rate. So we're doing something right in terms of being able to generate decent pay-per-view profits, but they haven't given Paige that kind of interesting like kind of run where we've got like five weeks of build-up with Punk and you know, where it's all of a sudden he's in there with a proper, like he's in there with a with a superstar, which we haven't seen since the Brad, the Danielson ones. And because they happened so soon after like sort of Danielson coming in and it felt like there was a, like it was very much a kind of switcheroo with what happened with, uh, with stuff with John Moxley not being there. You know, it does make you wonder what the, what the direction would be. It's just that, when it come back to the point of do you put the title on someone like Danielson, you kind of think, look at the matches that Danielson could be having, look at the fuse that Danielson could be having. And as much as I enjoy elements of Blackpool Combat Club, obviously not the name, it still feels like why is Brian Danielson in a kind of trios team what? here in a minute? Him yeah. and Moxley. I can live with that though. If he's not gonna be in the title, you know, it's a good way to hide mm. him, isn't it? And, and put him over there. I don't know. I think I just fundamentally disagree it's like in like doing that with the world title i just think if i don't think it would take much to just yes you know we keep this melting pot of you know what is working with aw and what is selling all these pay-per-views and you know absolutely mm. you know it's not just a couple of things that are working you know 90 percent of things that they're doing are working you know well, I'm, i don't think any of us are saying that's not the case i just think you can do that and you can make your, you know, your world title feel a bit more important. And I mean, maybe it's the punk fanboy in me, but I would put punk over MJF. I would have put Brian over MJF because I do think your world title should be the, you know, the top of the top of the company. I don't think it helped. Like I said earlier, I don't think it helps, um, you know, Paige to be in this position and be the secondary champion. And I don't think it helps the belt either long term. I think it's an important part of a, a promotion to have the belt be that, you know, that be all and end all. And I don't think you have to absolutely undercut what, everything else that makes AEW great to, to give it that extra bit of time and give it that extra bit of TLC. Um, I think it can it can absolutely be done. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a minor change and maybe something... You know, yeah, maybe, maybe it's something that'll never happen. You know, maybe you know, Punk wins the belt, Brian wins the belt, Moxley gets the belt back, and it's the same thing. You know, like when Paige won it, and we barely saw him on TV. You know, apart from those Brian matches, that's just you know, Tony Khan gets a new toy, and he you know, and he wants to go and play with that. And it's we're going to have this same conversation, whoever is in that position. You know, like we did with Kenny, because um, you know, like. You know, as it has kind of been said, you know, in the chat, Mikey said there, you know, he's kind of saw the AEW titles underwhelming since Moxley dropped it. I mean, you know, the Moxley run happened in, in pandemic era, so, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, I, for me, the, the only title run that's felt like a world title run was Jericho, you know, and that was bloody years ago at this point, wasn't it? Um, but, 
yeah, like I say, I think none of us at the same time though, none of us are saying like you know the company's going to fall over because of it, or it's you know, it's not like we're not all enjoying the show regardless of it. But you know, it's a, it, it's something you can pick up on. And I, again, I don't want to. There are a lot of factors that go into why that rampage rating was poor this week and you know it being on at 7 p.m and you know the other sports going on in america right now and the fact that it's a very early slot in the west coast is a is a lot of things but where i'm with you gareth is that i still think it's a bloody world title match that's a rare thing on tv it should be a bigger deal and it probably should be you know you, you don't have to you know completely turn the company you know on its head because of it but you know and you should be overly concerned about it but it's you know it's not a positive that you know a, a big title match like that wasn't a bigger deal and and didn't do you know even better considering all things that were going against it in the, the slot it was in should at least be mentioning it and make it feel special yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, you know which uh which which, which it didn't uh, i think it's 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 one of those like yeah it's not you know, you look at things as a whole, as a collective, you know, the age old product, I'm still massively enjoying it. There's five, six different things going on within the company at like any one time that they can fill two hours with that you've just got these, you know, peaks along the way that, you know, absolutely is, you know, get you tuning in, give you multiple things to be invested in. And that's what I've been crying out for a wrestling product for 20 years, you know, basically. But whether it is just the uh, the fact that we're, we're older and it is just that old school feel of kind of your world title just really when a world title feels like a world title it feels like it's the single most important thing that everybody's striving to get i think jp just said there you know this idea that it's the it's it's what everybody's clawing for and it's what everybody's you know desperate to have you know Punk's doing that. You to be almost fair to him. He's the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's where and that's where punk can be used. I think hopefully as a me- as a mechanism here alongside Angman to kind of build that and and develop that. You know, I think as I look at people in the company who could bring that element to, of prestige to it, or you know, help elevate the title itself. You know, I think you know having it on MGF for me will be a, it will be a way of you know of people trying to get it off MGF and they just can't because by hook or by crook he keeps hold of it and it's then it becomes this thing of like you're desperate to see somebody beat the champion you know finally because you've got that big big heel champ you know you've got that big heel world title holder that's something that I think you know potentially could could, could work but I, th- I think it does need to to bring something in I mean I, I was just looking there as you were talking at like I was thinking, is the ranking system a problem? It's something that I do like about AEW and the way that they do use dark and um, you know dark elevation and things like that to give people a reason for matches to take place and stuff. I was looking at the rankings from last week and like Frankie Kazarian is like number three on the list for the world title <laughs> picture, and you're like, really, kind of thing. Like, you know, MGF isn't even on the list, but Frankie, like Frankie Kazarian, who I basically haven't seen on my television for six months, is third in line to the title. I mean. Come on, like something's uh, something's a bit flawed in the system when uh, when when that's the case, and you know, yeah, he can go out there and he can have a probably a fun three point two five star match with Hangman for the title on a dynamite or something like that. But you know, is that is that where is that where things uh, th- things things need to be? But I think um, it def like it definitely has to be an area of uh, area of focus to just bring bring a bit more importance to it. You know, like we say, you know, everything else is kind of clicking because, you know, to run through the the shows from this week. I mean, we've got Dynamite, we've got you know Battle of the Belts and Rampage from from the weekend. You know, 
there's a lot of good stuff across those shows, you know, like you look at, we are in like, it, you know, I think we're, we're all going to look back on this as like a, you know, a golden era, you know, I'm going to be looking back on this as fondly as I probably did, you know, ROH 2004 to 2007, like I think, you know, there's a lot of great stuff, like, I mean, to get into like the TV from this week, you know, talk like, you know, the, 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 the multitude of good things that are going on in AEW right now, you know. It's a good job, you know, Battle of the Belts did happen because otherwise we'd probably spend the next half an hour talking about the end of the Dynamite. But ending the Dynamite aside, you know, you give me a show that's got, you know, Penta versus Punk, which was this incredible styles clash that I didn't know I needed in my life that was that was awesome, you know. Joe Minoru Suzuki where, yes, okay, Joe Joe turned purple by the end of it, but you know, for a good fifteen minutes it was uh, it, it was a great it was a great, you know, television, you know, title uh, TV match that I that I very much enjoyed. You know, the MJF and Wardlow stuff was first class on this week's show. You know, Keith Lee and Shane Strickland were almost shown up by Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs who really brought mm. it and in that match which was a you know a great highlight of the show you know all of the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff Jurassic Express and Red Dragon that was all on one dynamite this week and you know yes the ending you know got a lot of headlines and is obviously something we should talk about but you know you're talking matches there Gareth there on Grapple where you know it's like four matches there with a close to four star average plus like it's it's insane isn't it like this wealth we've got with the with the shows right now Oh, definitely, and that's where again, just you know, it's sort of almost like flies in the face of this, the, the the previous conversation. You know that you've you have got these like high points throughout throughout the throughout the shows that just keep it good, kind of. You know, it just keeps it. You know, gives you a reason to watch from start to finish, and like like you say there, you know, you're rattling off all those different things there, and you're thinking like, fuck now, this is just a this is just a week of dynamite where there's just like a. You know, two-hour window of stuff going on there. That's in you know vast majority of interest uh, instances. There's just something that you can be like really, really interested in. Like you say, that Punk Benta match. It was one when I probably first saw it. I was like, mm, not sure about this, but again, I think I probably enjoyed it more than probably expected to do so. And you know, I just thought again, I just thought Punk was just <laughs> was. Ace, I'm ragging Penta screaming into something resembling psychology. Like, I can't get over how good punk is. <laughs> like, mm. is, you know, again, obviously, I'm like, I'm a huge, huge fan of this. We've talked about this for, for years, but it, it, it just it just seems to be getting better and better at certain elements and just adding more and more, you know, just as his like settled back in and the, the stuff I loved here was it just the fatigue that he was just sort of like selling in this in this in in, in this match was just fantastic just that small like that small element but it was just making me just really like just buy into it and just focus on it a little bit more as to as to what was what was going on and it's not this like massive overt thing but fucking you know really like really, really enjoyable, and again, they they do seem to just hit the mark, don't they? So often, of just like getting the first thing right on a show and just like setting you off, where you're just like, oh yes, I'm fucking, I'm in for the ride here now. Whether it's a because like, it tends to be punk. big promo or a certain match <laughs> or something like that, yeah. But it's you know, it's 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 something that they're they're, they're so good at. And yeah, that was a fun, hell of a start to the show. 
Oh, punk turn in that like that botch the uh, in, in the corner the rana botch into a feature of the match not a bug yeah that's just how good he is now isn't it it's like like you said his you know his mind is always great and his body's caught up with it too but you know that was one of those moments where it was like oh yeah he's just like say penton has another match with a story in it for about you know four years you know unless you count doing zero mid with your fingers as a story um, like you know mm. like, that, on paper i hated that like i hated the, the, the title of that, and i used to be a massive pentagon fan but no I'm with you. Absolutely love that. I'm gonna bloody love him and Dustin this week. Like that. That feels like a CM Punk match if yeah. they're ever Osborne. Like, good lord. Like that's gonna deliver, isn't it? Um, I do like this though. Like you know, to the point of the rankings, I think that they're probably trying to like you know pad Punk's record by just giving him these these random matches, aren't they? On uh, on TV and letting him work whoever he kind of fancies in a in a given week. It is maybe a nice lightweight way to get to the Hangman match. Yeah, I think so. And I don't have a, a, any kind of real issue with that either. I think that's like the thing is he has delivered, hasn't he? Like in ring, like for all of, I'm just trying to think of, of like bad matches he's had since he's come back. And if you'd said really in the time that he's come back since August, that pretty much every match he's had has either been yeah, good to like really fucking good. You'd be stunned, wouldn't you? You'd expect there to be some sort of depreciation in his work, which then makes me think that it wouldn't really surprise me if they put the title on him, because I think they sort of think from an in-ring perspective that he's capable of of kind of living up to it, and there's a story to be told with that as well. But, yeah, you mentioned that with, with Dynamite. I mean, it's it's how do you maintain the pace of a show like this for, like, two hours? Because it, this week actually kind of felt more like a pay-per-view. Like at times, just I was like, "Oh my Christ!" They've got a tag team title match just sandwiched in the middle of that, and then other weeks that would have been something you really went to for like a, a couple of weeks in 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 between, wasn't it? That'd be its own sort of separate episode of Dynamite. But they're they're really stacking it. But you know what? They can stack the shows like this. There's nothing really stopping them. We don't have to have Matt Hardy wrestling. Do it. <laughs> oh no, but like yeah, it was a great show. I mean, I loved um I thought that the the MJF so you talked before about you know how the, the deal with mm. right now. The MJF Wardlow stuff was just that couldn't have gone more perfect on this show, could it? Like that was just like Wardlow feels like a, like he, he's gonna be a megastar already. You know, MJF is worth his weight in gold, you know, getting that man over. And like, you know, as much as I'd love to, you know, think we're headed towards, you know, Hangman Page and, and MJF and maybe MJF is the next champion, although I could see that being a thing Tony's got written down. You know, I don't think we're getting there until, you know, this Wardlow stuff is resolved. But, you know, it feels like one of the hottest programs in the company right now. And it's, you know, MJF against a relatively unproven wrestler in Wardlow. Like, oh, that stuff was so good this week. Oh, God, that. Just that moment where he like revealed himself in the crowd, and then the crowd went like nuts. That was just that was absolutely mm. first class. I I just feel like this is one where you know there have been these spells throughout like AW's history so far where there's something that they really are just like thinking about long term, and they've really got their teeth into it of like the of, of getting the details right and the small elements, and they are thinking about it on a on a more like long-term basis this feud like i 
I, I love this feud so much. It's, 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 to me, it is like classic old wrestling kind of thing. It's like old wrestling done right that just got me engaged and just got me hooked into things from like a, a storyline, um, you know, point of view. And just like the things here, like where like MGF's trying to buy off Bryce Remsburg and things there. And, you know, he's saying, like, I'll triple what Khan's paying you and things. Just again, just small things. Things that just go into the character there, but they're just like a, a nice touch there. Like when Wardlow was backstage and he's like fighting off the security guard, and you've got like the fear in MGF's eyes, and then you've got Wardlow like, like you know, down right down the camera at him, you know, like you know, sending a nice clear message to both MGF and the audience at home, just looking hard as fuck and cool as fuck, and you're just like, this was this is one where I just cannot get enough of this. Like just. I, it's it's pretty my favorite thing on aw right now is just is just the treatment and this this feud and waterloo just looks like a a mega star if 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 this fucks up like in any way in the future i'm gonna be so good because i'm so invested in it and so invested in the waterloo waterloo build and it just feels like it's just got money all over him look at the reactions Absolutely. The the place gets more unglued for that than it feels like anything else. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it, it's hard not to go to Batista parallels for it, but like it, it, that's really where my similarities kind of like lie with this. But, you know, we've seen this, them do this stuff with like a Virgil, obviously in a much more problematic way. Um, in the, in the early nineties, but like, this is, it's the stuff that's really, really working on every level, and the Sean Dean Dean stuff as a as a kind of running joke as well. I think is is quite a lovely touch. Yeah, he keeps winning, doesn't he? It's great. Yeah, uh, perfect man for that kind of spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good there, as good as though as well as it just paints Wardley as well as almost like the everyman as well, isn't it? Like you know, yeah. is, uh, which which again. It, one of the problems that you often get in wrestling is the ability to get somebody to buy into a babyface character. And like, you've got, he's, he's not corny, he's not cheesy or anything, anything like that. He's just a guy you just want to get behind and you just want to see him get his hands on MJF and kick the shit out of him. And like, you yeah. know, that's, that's wrestling. That's, that's wrestling 101, isn't it? And, yeah. and they're doing it so well. Oh, um, yeah. What else to call for you on there uh, on Dynamite, Gareth? It's just what you're here. I'm just saying. I'm just. I just want to know what you know. Just interviewing you, mate. What did you? Uh, what did you enjoy out of it? I mean, it's a treat. What is? What's on the uh, the Gareth to do? I mean, I did fucking enjoy that Samoa Joe Minoru Suzuki match again. Like, oh, you know, good. it's I one of those where you wouldn't because it'd be big. Crewy is like he's very akin with you. He's both kind of love the same things in wrestling. He's hating Samoa Joe and hate of you. So I was worried you might be the same. <laughs> No, I, I again I think um like I think <laughs> we've we've had this debate months, years ago maybe on here, like where you were very high on the idea of him coming into AW and I was very he's finished, he's done, like we don't want to see him kind of see him. Well, I didn't disagree. I, think, I just wanted them to come I in think, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, th- I think presented in the in 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 the in the right way, he's still just he's got that um he has got that it factor, Joe, hasn't he? He's just got that. He's just got that presence that on screen that he just he, whether he can go or not, he still just looks like a killer kind of thing. He looks like a guy who he looks like a wrestler. He looks like a guy who's going to kick the shit out here and is a is a is a, is a guy who when he's put into a match like this with Suzuki um, again 
Suzuki's someone now who, you know, you're probably getting to the stage where you've seen him, I don't know, his act rolled out in, in the US with a lot of different people across indie shows and things. It's, you know, it's almost sort of like, you know, semi-comedic to, to some degree, but I really feel like it sort of pulled the best out of what you're going to get out of Punk, at the, uh, sorry, Joe, at this time period. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not going overboard. I gave it like 3.75, but that's hey. a 3.75 star match on TV, you know, in, you know, 2022 with Minara Suzuki and Samoa Joe, which is, a you know, pretty, pretty good. I think it's one of those that important combined age think, near 100 mate <laughs> yeah yeah really? i think the crowd were well into it though was was it was yeah. one of the things that that came across for me as well they, they 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 just they worked the crowd to perfection i think with the structure of the match that they put in place with that just just that start and just that like back and forward chop battle and then into the into the strikes i think the pair of them just like playing to the crowd with some great facials and things things like that as well i think i think it i think it worked uh, worked so well from 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 that perspective but again it's it, it's one of those it's limited you're going to get so much juice out of joe in certain scenarios and things like that but you know, throw these on your TV. I'm not going to complain. The fact that you can do that, you know, again, this is Tony Khan's box of toys that you can just on a week's notice go, yeah, Samojo Minoru Suzuki, let's just throw that on a dynamite. It's fucking brilliant, isn't it? And, you know, to your point with Joe, that's it. He is, you know, completely, you know, I know we've had those conversations in the past, but it was never that I disagreed. Like, I pretty strongly have suspected he's been washed for a while. I just love the bloke, and it's, but it's moments like this that remind you why. It's because of how he carries himself. It's because of how legitimate he makes everything feel. Like, he's just a grown-up. And that's, I think that's what's made it why AEW's been so good since Punk and Brian are coming, because, like, your Punks, your Brian's, your Moxley's, your Joes, the fucking men, aren't they? The grown-ups doing grown-up pro wrestling. And I, you know, I love, you know, some of the, you know, the sillier elements of uh, of AEW and the, you know, the lighter, lighter wrestlers, but, you know, that that's kind of the weight that the product has had, you know, for this while is people like that and him coming in. Yes, it's another name coming in and you can definitely criticize that. But, you know, I think he's, you know, he's another person who's adding that, that little bit of a seriousness and that little bit of a, you know, an ingredient that makes it, it feel like a, just a proper wrestling show. There's, you can see this with so much wrestling these days. They're steak wrestlers. And before then we've seen a lot of sizzle wrestlers. Like these are people where there's a bit of there's a bit of meat, there's a bit of depth, there's a bit of beef. It's a common theme here. And I think for, you know, if we if we're going back to stuff that isn't working connecting, it's because it feels like kind of soft and there's no real reason for it to be there. And if you you know, things like the hangman page stuff, you take it out. I will say this with Joe, like you've got there's a very limited run here. Like and but there is a hell of a lot of value in him. And there is a way of transitioning out of wrestling into coaching, commentary, and stuff like that, where he has he was very good at that as well. And I think there's things that they could they could really use him for. But it's a very limited period of time, which then makes me dismayed that ultimately he's gonna be up against Jay Lethal and the great Carly. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> is that what we're gonna do with his time? Great really, Car- great Carly. Come on, he's he's kegging at uh, best, mate. Uh, that, nah. <laughs> that was that was so like it was just like I know it's been done to death. Now it's not it's barely even worth like. But like the fact that Tony, they had to do. I don't All care, right, Tony, whose fault it was. Then. Don't care who brought it up in the room. Did you have to turn the bloody lights off again? Did we really have to do this again for a blog that nobody knew who he was? No. 
for him to like oh, I keep uh, you know I've called him a feckless giant and that's what he was in the long list of feckless giants in wrestling history like looks so pathetic like you know hitting his offense on Joe and yeah but you know the, the battle of the belts you know little uh, bit was was marginally better but still like oh just end just end the show with you know some Jadakiss playing or some LL Cool J and let Joe celebrate <laughs> you know find another way to get into that India market it, it is an idea like you know and I was, this is a my point I'll, I'll borrow if i can't, I can't remember who said it on twitter but like you know if, if you are kind of cracking the indian market i mean an, another giant heel like is that really what you know the mm-hmm. indian people are, are after you know it's never a baby face it's never you know someone with a bit of charisma or a bit of talent dare i say that we can all get behind and then you know there's that right. that you know that, that does translate to uh you know to the countries from instead it's a it's just it was very wwe in every way wasn't it after such a a lovely you know main event that yeah. that was so anti-wwe in so many other ways and such a great show into it that that was kind of the issue with it as, as well as the execution where does it go so as well like that's i i, I was thinking well, Paul White's having a match, isn't he? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that's the, that's, that's the next nice. step, isn't it? Like, uh, God. Maybe that's where Shaq uh, went when he disappeared. He's, he's going to come back and he's going to reappear. Would you be like trusting you? this lad to do it? Would you be trusting this lad to deliver a body slam on Paul White? That's Would it. You? People, no. people were screaming at me, going, "Al, you know, we'll be crap." Look at him. Look at every wrestler who's bid like him. Use in your three fucking eyes, people. <laughs> yeah, like, really? He's gonna be crap. Jesus. <laughs> it's, oh, sorry, sorry. That's, sorry. It's, that's just madness. Like, uh, but I also be, think um, but, mm, the mm. the other issue about it, though, it's not just him. It's the it's the B level nature of ending your show with, you know, Jay Lethal, who's never had a win on Dynamite, and Sanjay Dutt, who, fuck, sorry, JP, but he was never anybody, never, never, didn't, he wasn't anyone TNA, never mind anywhere else, like, it feels so... Hey, the feud him and Jay Lethal had over SoCal Val is still up there <laughs> in, the, in the annals of great TNA history, all right. But it's so... She's mean. got to progress now. <laughs> oh, it's just so mediocre. So now turn mid card and just you know I, I know I'm the low man on Jay Lethal and people do rate him especially fucking Tony Khan Tony Khan fucking loves the bloke but you know when you've had a show full of stars you end, ending with that Motley Crue just it felt it felt like ROH on Sinclair is what it felt like that's that's the level of this stuff Ah, it was. It was. It was just a. It was just a downer, and that's it. Where you just look at like, where's the direction with this? Like, where's in a, in a, you know, what's the uh, what's the, what's what's the long term goal here? And then with a uh, with a India um, equals profits. You know, YouTube views numbers. It'll make sense somewhere. France and I got. I got. A, I got a very WWE CW type vibe from it about where. If there is a wrestler who isn't Ring of Honor, I'm gonna say it's Satnam Singh. Like <laughs> seriously, like like he isn't. He he just isn't like that. That's he's not gonna fit in with that aesthetic. So when you're bringing in a giant bodyguard who looks like at some point he's gonna have a match against, and it may not happen against the world television champion, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's classic Ring of Honor glory days, isn't it? I mean. I'm sure that's what the the boys were thinking when they were going uh, over to the bloody armor guard. You know those those armory places that you would have gone to a few of them. So yeah, what we need is a few giants. We need Mads Kruger and Dan Mather in here as well. It's 
it's very low rent stuff ultimately. Uh, but yeah, as Mikey said in the chat, you know, Tony knows it, and you know, they tried to some extent to uh, he's got an announcement this week, mate. Well, uh, oh, we'll get into that, uh, but yeah, I guess yeah. we'll see. But no, I mean, that was a negative, but overall, I mean, overwhelmingly, the show was great. I mean, we haven't even touched on you know, some of the other great matches on there. You know, I mentioned before, don't know if I'm on an island here, but you know, Keith Lee and Swear against Vicky Stark and Carl Sobs, I love that, but I came out of it oh, like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm massively high on, you know, Keith Lee and Swerve, and there were people who I would have absolutely signed. <laughs> but I did think Ricky Starks and Powers, I don't know if it's just me, Ricky Starks and that Powers and Hobbs felt like the two where you'd be looking, if you watch this match, Cobb, like, oh, they're the two you should be pushing. You know, it's actually the, the two homegrown ones who've been here, you know, you know, through the and who kind of, you know, Powers Hobbs came across, like, to me, a better version of uh, of Keith Lee and Ricky Stark came across like, you know, a better spirit Strickland. Um, it surprised me, you know, who came across as the stars of that match. But yeah, they were all, you know, it was a great match. You know, it was all, it was a great uh, result. But yeah, I don't know if I'm on an island on that. I mean, I went three and a half on that. I really, you know, I enjoyed it. Again, it's three and a half. It's a fucking good match, that, isn't mm. it? You know, three and a half stars, especially for a thrown together TV tag match as well. You know, again, it's it's one of those things where that's where Dynamite just delivers, just giving you something like this that, you know, you can you can absolutely buy into. You know, I've said on here in the past, I'm not a big swerve guy. I don't, people having pegged there has been like some main event superstar of the future or something like that. I just don't see it personally. Likewise, I don't see the same, see it with Ricky Starks, but I think him being in New Orleans, it, it was, the, wasn't it like the, um, the home, the, the ovation he got and things like that made him feel That's more true. than here. But the, but the big thing for me was like a couple of weeks ago, it was that Hobbs Keith Lee match that was, I, I mm-hmm. fucking loved that when they had their singles match. And then this again, just like left me just feeling like wanting to, wanting a bit more of this because I just think uh, I, I fucking love Power Alex Hobbs I think is uh, and that's one where I like look at something like a Joe and thinking about just getting like the marriage out of Joe I think he could stick him in there with Hobbs a couple of times or something like that they could have a with the style that Joe's got to work now and things I think he could really like help Hobbs kick on and they, they then two could have some have some fucking good matches together but um, um, I think just as as a mid-card kind of feud and act that serves on there on Dynamite at, at, at present. Just keep this feud going with these four because they've all got something mm. to be there at that level and it's uh, it's it's doing them all doing them all favours, I think, currently to be uh, to be involved as, as, as they are and I could definitely go for a, a bit more of this and with a bit more time as well. Any strong thoughts on the other stuff on, on Dynamite? The, uh, the other tag match, Jungle... Uh, uh, Lush- Lucha Express, Jungle Express, Jurassic Express, that's the name. Um, and, uh, and Red Dragon or uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, anything on any of that? I thought the the tag match was, I hate to say it's a bit weird, because like, I hear sometimes, like, and I get why people don't particularly like Jurassic Express in terms of it from a gimmick, but you know what? When it comes to delivering TV matches, they're really good. And I think this was, again, a... a a very good TV match. It was like three and a half stars in it myself. It was the kind of stuff that was guaranteed to be kind of crowd-pleasing and works well for the live audience and whatnot. I was surprised in the finish. Like I was, like I just assumed that at some point like Red Dragon would have to get the belts, which kind of makes you really wonder about Jesus and the time they've been there. I remember being quite reasonably quite excited about them, about Kylo Riley coming in. And it's just like, completely nondescript since then but I thought it was a match it was kind of fun where it goes from there I don't know I mean you mentioned there about Keith Lee Swerve Strickland and Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks they're the kind of 
I'd like to see them as tag teams, having a bit of a tag team run. I'd like to see Hobbs and Starks doing that that type of stuff. I know that there's so many tag teams that they have, but I think that'd be kind of a bit more more interesting. But Red Dragon, I just I don't know what you do with them. Just completely at a loose end. It feels like Kyle Riley's just like he's left the rigidness of the WWE system and it's just like he's on his holidays with his mates. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like somebody needs to like set yeah. him straight and be like, hey, just take this a bit seriously, you know? Like he's he's gonna be a genuinely quick tag team. Like, come on. Uh, he's got who's he on with this week? He's in a singles match, isn't he on Dynamite? Who's it with? Uh, uh Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe mm. he'll step up then. Uh, for the Owen qualifier stuff. Mm. Mm. It was weird though, the end of this match, wasn't it, with FTR coming out and then it's sort of like it's then it's sort of the camera just panned away and they went to some wheelie Utah package with the Blackpool uh, thing. Like so you, you sort of couldn't see what happened. Like it was a, it was all a bit uh, it was all a bit bizarre bizarre that it was sort of felt like this big like, oh, how'd they come? And then it was like, Oh, quick, like <laughs> we're up against time here, flicks of this video package. So you sort of didn't really see what happened there. I thought that was a bit of an odd presentation. But again, I just think like Red, you know, I, I I went into this probably the same mindset as you, JP. I, I thought, well, they're probably winning the belts here, Red Dragon, because they're probably, you know, Jurassic Express is probably about right for for losing them. <laughs> like if Red Dragon lose here, like you know, what the fuck are they? Kind of maybe that's what they are. Maybe they are, they mm-hmm. are just this card tag, tag team act to, you know, looks good for a short period of time and uh, puts people puts people over, but. Um, I think um, as I mean, this match was—I'll use the word fun. You know, it was fun enough, kind of thing for for, for for me. But I think I'm a bit tired on Jurassic Express at this point. Like, I'm ready for—I'm ready for something a bit different in the, the tag division. They they are perfectly fine for what they are, but it's—you know—they're not pulling up any trees as as far as I'm concerned. That's the same situation as Hangman Page, isn't it? They're clearly, clearly not the uh, the stars of the uh, division. But yeah, if you guys have any other big notes on Dynamite, I suppose we can talk a bit of a bit of Rampage. Um, what did you uh, you make of that? I thought Rampage was one where like it really was a show of two two hours to me. Like I watched this one and absolutely loved the first. 20 minutes of it, I, like the Blackpool Combat Club stuff. I, I know they're in mm-hmm. there with Billy Gunn, and it was happening live while me and you were recording, JP, and we were kind of laughing at the idea of, you know, Brian Danielson and, and Billy Gunn being like this big face-off in a match in 2022. It, it probably shouldn't really be a thing, but I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed just, you know, seeing the Combat Club and the dynamic between, you know, the three of them. They're getting wheelie to, you know, spot on right now. He looks great with the, uh, with the other two. I'm into it as a thing for for Brian and Mox to do while they are away from maybe more serious matters as long as there's a path to, to more serious matters for them which I, I mm-hmm. imagine there will be but what I really enjoyed in this I love the commentary like this was a rampage I didn't have to watch on mute like you know Jericho oh. not being there was a fucking godsend and you know as much as everyone knows my thoughts on William Regal the wrestler I really enjoy him on commentary like I thought he, him going back and forth with, with Taz and Excalibur and it kind of felt a bit PWG apart or like AW Dark where they were just just kind of having a Tasmaniac. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, just having a bit of a laugh. That was tremendous. Yeah, well, you know, you got Brian trying to rip the limbs off one of Billy Gunn's shit sons. It was just, yeah. (laughs) Can't can't understate how much I enjoyed those uh, those first 20 minutes. The uh, the main event less so, but yeah, we can uh, we can get into that too. They're really fun. I mean, this this the Blackpool Combat Club, and I mentioned earlier on about like it would be nice to see 
Danielson and Moxley in there, but I get, the, I, I always get the reasoning you can't have everyone going for the main, the, the the world title all at the same time. And this has been something that you have to look at as being like a massive success, mm. like in terms of getting Wheelie Uter over, if that's like part of what your your goal is. And there's still loads of it. We haven't even really scratched the surface of what this potentially could be as a group and other stuff like that, when they start to get other people in, when they start to kind of really get in depth in a feud with another stable. Um, and I thought as a match, you know, say this, like they're always good, but then there's a theme with this where I don't know it's anything that John Moxley generally appears near as a match of them. And it turns out to be fucking great. That's like a, a rule of thumb that I'm kind of like, like really sticking with, but the guns, they're not bad. As people who, can, they we should be loathing them. Yeah. As yeah, do you know what they are fine for what they are? But do you know they get a reaction. They're mid lower mid card heels who have their records padded out. Like I'm perfectly fine and down with them being on there. You, then as soon as they face people who are actually good, they lose. But they can win all the time on AW Dark and eleva- Elevation and build themselves up and. You know, they're hateable enough. They're never going to reach the old fella's height and build because it's just ridiculous what he is uh, <laughs> at the age that he is. And it shouldn't work, and I should loathe it. But, like, I I kind of enjoy them. But, yeah, it's 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 very – I think the Blackpool Combat Club are just so very easy, crowd-pleasing stuff. I, did, I didn't like the way – Billy Gunn kind of, you know, it's like a banana peel. I'm glad he put, you know, these are over, but like, it still looks, it's just seven times as big as him. And like, even in like, even Yuta pinning him, it looked like Billy Gunn was entirely in control. Like he could have just flicked his finger and Yuta would have went flying in the other direction. And he made sure to get up and sell. I can't believe that just Mm -hmm. happened type of thing. There are, there is a bit of a problem there, but you know, all in all, it kind of worked for me. Just a match. Three stars, three stars on the app, you know, it's 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 one of those, but it's it's fine, you know, it's fine. It's it's get you know, it's it's more about just seeing the act, isn't it? This kind of match and mm. you know that and that's that's the the purpose that it served. I'm I'm loving the, the newer stuff. That match you had the previous week with Moxley on Rampage. I fucking love that match. Like again, obviously, you know, I don't, don't want to go back to old ground, but I'll go for it. Like four point seven five, I went with it on that. I absolutely fucking loved it. I, I enjoyed it so much. It was basically for me, it was like as close to perfection you can get for a match with that amount of time that somebody's got to just get you in. Not only just like engaged in a match and just enjoy it, it, but to serve the purpose that it did as well, and so successfully what it did for Uter and the way that you know the the way that things work with, with Mox from from that perspective, it's comfortably going to be in my top ten of the year if I'm uh, if I'm turning up for that one at the end of the year, at the at the end of the show uh, end of the year and we're we're doing uh, do, doing that show. It's uh, oh, I loved it, and and I think as much as you know. How can how can Yuta um, fail mixing on TV with Moxley and Danielson? You know, where you're looking at you again using the older, more established talent to you know create something more from the younger breeds. Like again, he's just within a matter of a month, he's just elevated himself so so significantly. And you know, when you've you know you've watched the stuff that he can 
you know, he's done in Beyond and things like that as well. Like this guy's got so much talent and okay, he might not be there, like, you know, from a size perspective and there's things from like a look perspective and things like that, that might not be everybody's cup of tea and things. But when you just think of a, the, 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 the talent that this lad's got and then when he can, when he can extend and show extra what he showed the week before against Moxley, again, it just it just feels like another home homegrown strong, you know, string to the sort of the, the AW bow there that they can build a lot with over the next uh, next year or so. Mike, great cracking job they've done with him. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in earlier and say he's in a you know bad take Benno at it again, but he's in a much stronger position than Daniel Garcia is, like. I already think Daniel Garcia as the sports entertainer is old. <laughs> like it's it's and they barely even got going with it. And I feel like three like three or four weeks in or whatever it is, like it's it's just a bad fit. And I know the point is is a bad fit, but it doesn't stop it being a bad fit. And I don't think it's gonna work. And I do think you know the joke is is already old. Oh, isn't it funny? You wore a Kangol hat and he's going on about being not being a wrestler anymore or being a sports entertainer. All, all the while he's on New Japan. Still being a wrestler, which doesn't really, you know, tie in very well to mm. to what he's doing on the uh, on the AEW side. It would have been Daniel Garcia if you'd have given him a choice. Who'd be be it, you know, in this spot, but Wheeler Utah's killing it, and I think it's going to benefit his career far more than the the Garcia stuff is on the Jericho side. I think you know, people, and I, I saw a lot of people who are respect kind of jump on that and be like, oh, it'll develop a personality in Garcia and it'll be positive for him. I don't see it happening. I just think it's a weird goofy thing they've got him doing and I think if we check in in you know six months I think Wheeler is going to be uh, much the stronger for this and I'm, I don't really feel that way about the uh, the Garcia stuff I think that's a, a dangerous spot for him to be in It is if he's stuck in that spot for a long period of time it's potentially a good short term vehicle for him to be doing something mm. more interesting in one, if he then one turns on them time. or something yeah, you know. yeah. If, if, if he's still there doing that in four months five months mm. time then then we, you've got a problem, I think, you know, personally. But um, it, but it, it gives him a, it gives him a, it, it's almost like a mechanism to enable him to do more further down the line. They just have to be very careful about when they pull the, pull the trigger on that. If he becomes a full-blown nasty shithouse who beats the shit out of Chris Jericho and kind of embraces that, then I, I think that might be the direction to go down and, and just says how he used him. But it's like Gareth says, it's the timing, isn't it? And, and and how you do that. I mean, it's very weird with, like, we kind of group, like, Yuta Garcia along with Lee Moriarty, who appears to be, like, positioned. He's, and Hawk, yeah, the four pillars, like the not pillars. I love that. yeah. The that's a great show. Um, but he, he appears to be off to like Ring of Honor, basically, doesn't he? That appears to be where his landing position is, and it'll be probably nearer the top of card, but it'll be Ring of Honor in whatever format Ring of Honor comes back in. And that's the right place for him, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think when when Khan first bought ROH, I think I was looking down the AW roster and you were almost like drawing a line over, over who's going to benefit here by shifting to the right and being in that environment. He's absolutely that guy. He's, uh, you know, he's, 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 he can advance in that different environment um, for, for me, yeah. especially when you put in Garcia and Utah in prominent positions for different reasons, reasons here. 
what did you think of the main event on uh, on Rampage? Uh, like I say, I've kind of said a couple of times so far, I really didn't like it. It was, I mean, I, I think it was not even so much the match itself. It was just, you know, how many lights out, no DQ, deathmatch type things yeah. are we going to yeah. do? You know, these two have both been in one in recent months. You know, that tells you how, how overdone this is. And, you know, all of those issues, you know, we mentioned about the builds of the match as well. But then at the end, I still don't think the match was very good. Uh, I just think you know it's notable for the for the you know the Jesus spot at the end. If that's you know what I was going to say, I was I was know, too busy crying when they did that. that I <laughs> finished. Um, I was so morally offended by this hmm. as well, much in the same way that I was morally offended when you know. Kurt Angle walked out of ECW because they did that the Sandman. I was morally offended when um, The Undertaker did it with Steve Austin and he was going to do a sacrifice to Stephanie McMahon. Or when Vince McMahon did it up against God and he would wrestle there. And all the other countless ways that all of these weird fucking Jesus freaks like to come out of the woodwork <laughs> complaining about wrestling, which then makes me think, why are you watching wrestling in the first place? Surely it should be an oxymoron if you're this hardcore religious about it. If he's Catholic, um, he's allowed to say all this to everyone, I'm just saying. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Okay, very much a lapsed one as well. But no, I, 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 yeah, faux moral outrage aside, which is, look, just get onto the, look, you gr- group of grasses, just get on the phone to Domino's. Like you normally fucking do. Otherwise, piss off. <laughs> like I'll just throw that there as well. It, it's shut it, fire. The carrots made unbelievable. As a match, he needn't talk. King of the Swingers, really. Found <laughs> a bit of Jesus, did he? Piss off. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah. All about his Bischoff three sixteen, which is I'm taking you to Gold's Club, and you're gonna fucking enjoy it. Like I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> No, I, I, I didn't I, expect this. Honestly, <sighs> no, neither did I. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 as a match, it was boring because the, the outcome was completely inevitable. So I just found myself, are oh, we just killing time, really, till we get through to the finish? And yeah, there were some big bumps and the rest of it. But like I say, the the tears, which reflected very much how I felt about Jesus, you know, dying on the cross to save our sins <laughs> and sins of all humanity. I couldn't get over that. Oh, yeah. I gave it 3.25 on Grapple. I know it's trending higher, Gareth. I went the same. Like I, it was one of those instances where I like put my I put the rating in because there was an element of influence almost. I saw that it was like averaging at like 3.9 on the app, and then I went yeah. like I just automatically went, well, it's not that fucking good. And I just went three and a half. And I went, why am I giving this three and a half? I was like, this isn't a three and a half star match. It was fucking completely dull. I was like just disengaged throughout. I was just sort of yeah. like staring blankly at the screen. And so much of the yeah. um so much of the like stuff that's done, like say it's just been it's just old hat kind of thing. Like it's just been done too often that it's that there's there is no kind of you know shock factor or anything about it to 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 you or you know there's nothing there that was like you know massively wildly innovative to get you engaged or things like that. Yeah, triple board on Adam Cole's forehead didn't do it for anyway. <laughs> like it's uh, it's uh, we've had better blood than that in the last month, definitely. Uh, you know, on about yeah. seventeen occasions. You know, it's just like more blood coming from Harry Harry Potter's fucking scar. <laughs> <laughs> 
we need a monitorium on these matches, don't we? Like, we need to just stop for a while. They need to mean something when they happen. And, like, there's been, like, there was that, I can't remember who it was. There was, like, a, a woman's one that was on, like, for a few that I didn't even know existed on Dynamite a few weeks ago. It was just, like, oh, they're getting a no DQ match as well. Like, we need, it's lights out and no DQ matches. Just, yeah. Mm. Tony needs to just take a monitorium on them for a little while. Yeah, and then and then again, you almost come back to that point that you said previously about it being like the world title match. And again, if it's a world title match that you're not invested in for a multitude of reasons, and then the match itself isn't delivering, again, it just deflates things even further. It just I was just left at the end just feeling uh, so what <laughs> kind of thing, which mm. not not how you want your uh, your world title uh, main event of a show to feel. Uh, any notes on anything else that happened on the show? Um... Ruby Soho, Rob Renegade didn't have much. They did a twin magic spot, didn't they? Which is <laughs> odd. Uh, yeah, that was it. They still lost. <laughs> yeah, their mum was happy though. That's the main thing. <sighs> Ruby Soho continues to flatter. Anyway, anyway, I wasn't watching WWE. Cody wasn't there. I wasn't watching WWE close enough when she was there to know whether she was good or bad. But anyone who said she was good, I'm questioning your judgment now. She's just a wrestler, and she like she just mm. did, oh, yeah. good song. Yeah, <laughs> you know, theme it. song. Yeah. My Mercedes yeah. become obsessed with that song. I must have listened to it about four. <laughs> 100 times this weekend as well which didn't uh, didn't help when I came to watch this match as well I was like oh <laughs> fucking hell not her again like kind of then, uh, obviously the match was what it was but oh, she's not the solution to the AW women's uh, division that I think she was sold as when she uh, when she came in but uh, I suppose over to uh, to Battle of the Belts uh, yeah I suppose the big story there um, Sammy Guevara beating uh, Scorpio Sky um, <laughs> Battle of the belts, battles, battle of the not the most important belts. You know, that's shoved away the night before yeah. on, on on at the end Does of the TNT. Like, like wound up Tony. Like is he like is there some kind of grudgy that we don't know about? Why he just is not asked one bit about these battle of the belt shows? Like you know, last time it happened the week of Hangman and Brian. So like it felt obvious. Like if it was important, that'd be on it. No, this week it happens on the week of another title match with Japans on Rampage. Then it's taped. Then you just, it's like last time, just making up titles to put on it. Ah, the FTW belt. Ah, Ring of Honor. We'll, we'll do something. Yeah. Just any other excuses. Cody's weight belt. Yeah, and I'll be up next. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and it couldn't matter. It was, couldn't, it was definitely like the third most important show of the week this week, wasn't it? Despite having, I suppose, uh, a relatively major uh, title change to open it. I don't know if it is a major title change anymore. I think that <laughs> no. title has completely lost a load of steam. Yeah, and I think he was losing steam with Cody Rhodes, and it's carried on with um, new Cody Rhodes in in Sammy Guevara, who's just slotted in to Cody's spot in more ways than one, hasn't he? As well, yeah. So we're gonna because I mean they're leaning so heavily into turning them heel as well, um, and it, but it, it 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 just the whole thing was ridiculous. The dynamic was just bad. They've managed to get Peg Van Sant involved. That appears to be the reason why Scorpio Sky has kind of, you know, has, has ended up getting the victory. Someone who I just thought he could have been in, you know, what a terrible title run. Never really has this, like this a proper is why title you don't defense. do this. This is why you don't, like, yeah. you know, in a lesser extent, it's the Hangman Page thing. It's like you don't. Yeah, it's a nice thing to give Scorpio Sky a title run. It's nice to say, oh, Scorpio Sky, who's been there ages, one of our homegrown guys, got the belt. But mm. if you don't believe in him and you're not actually going to give him real programs and real things to do on TV, then, you know, all it does is devalue everyone. It makes him look daft and it makes the belt look stupid. 
Am I, am I right that, in am I right in this? So it went from so Cody got it from Sammy Guevara, and Sammy Guevara got it back from Cody, and Scorpio Sky got it, and now Sammy's got it back. And it, three like, time champion. Yeah. And that's like like we at the time we were like, why did they give it to Cody Rhodes just for the sake of him to lose it back like a week later? And then like you're now yeah. left with that feeling again. Surely this should have just been one run, like I mean, I know I've just done it there, but like one of the worst things I hate with titles is when you ca- when you when you just forget even what the lineage of the title has been and yeah. over a short period of short period of time. And if they, you know, this is where you talk about like leading like an establishing reign and the title losing a bit of like its prestige and things like that when it flips about too much. Like you look at this, and I think like it wouldn't surprise me if Sammy Guevara lost it in a fortnight again now, because that's kind of the precedent that they've set there, really. And it just makes you think, like, should I, you know, should you be investing in <laughs> these title matches? Because what do they mean if they're just getting, you know, flip and flop from one person to another at will? And I almost think that's okay to a point. Like, you can have your world champion belt be the one that people have it for nine months at a time. And to give your show something different, the TV title or the TNT title is the one that changes more often. You know, that's okay mm-hmm. to a point, isn't it? You know, I'm, but I'm more talking, you know, like the Miro run was the last good one. And that one felt like it ended too soon, but presumably yeah. it was the injuries or whatever. The reason he's been gone for so long is the reason they took it off him. But, you know, that's what you're after, isn't it? You know, there's a, there's a happy medium, you know, between, I think you've nailed it, Gareth, yeah, between like making it, you know, it was a belt where, yeah, could absolutely just shout off the lineage quite quickly, and now it's like, oh, so Sammy had beat who? Oh, he's had it three times. Three times, like that's silly. You know, this young for a belt for him to have it three times is just yeah nonsense. I never mind. Yeah, the hatchet job they've done on him, like they not only gave him Cody's story, they gave him Cody's booking and Cody's reactions as well. Like no amount of sweetening can fix. Like, it's just embarrassing right. at this point, isn't it? It's so bad. It's a mate. Like there was a point in time I remember when Ty Conti was coming out, and you were thinking, "Oh, you know, the crowd really liked it. There was a good kind of organic feel of here. Someone who's worked hard to kind of really improve themselves and did have some decent matches along the way." It's this idea. It, it's a death knell in twenty first century wrestling of having a couple who are very much in love, and by Christ, they're going to let you know it. <laughs> like it's an absolute death knell. It, it just dies that people don't want to see that. They don't want to see that. Like it's certainly not. It's not face behavior. Like he still does the the card thing. It's just very like they've got to go all in on this very soon. As him as just this like kind of complete dickhead heel chap. Like he's got to have it. That was where we're going. You know, with them kissing on camera and stuff like that, and they're shoving yeah. things down his throat. Like hopefully, hopefully, that is what we're doing. Low blow for the win as well, which was always that. Yeah. That's always a sign with um, AW, I think, as well. Like where you had like Hangman in that curl match where he didn't want to cheat and things like that, you know. So yeah. they are normally quite good with traditional heel face things like that. Elsewhere on the show, I suppose. I, I thought I enjoyed Gresham Dalton Castle. It felt like they had an uphill battle. It felt like watching Buff yeah. Bagwell and Booker T on Raw. You know, this ROH match that AEW fans hadn't really paid for and didn't seem to really, you know, be massively familiar with. Like it felt like they were wrestling in front of silence for for large chunks. But you know, uh, and again, it's a start. You know, Gresham style isn't ideal for that situation either. You know, it's a it's an uphill battle. I think to pull people into that but I, I felt like they managed it you know and they got good reactions by the end mm. you know I, I, 
you know, I'm not really high on Dalton Castle anymore, but it was kind of nice to see him get his, get, a, get a bit of a moment. It was nice to see him with the original boys. It wasn't just, you know, two ROH students dressed in a, in the get-up. They got yeah. the, uh, what are they called, the something twins? Um, they've been doing dark matches, haven't they, for AEW? Like, I was glad to see them back in the role. Um, nice little match, turned into to something better than I suppose it was for the, uh, the first 10 minutes, but that's all really I've got on it. Yeah, same here. I, I thought it was slight. It was a it was a better Dalton Castle match than I'm used to seeing. But then I thought he's, he'd probably have his working boots out given the size of the crowd. But ultimately, it was there to pad out a show because it was a belt that could be defended. But then it felt like the whole idea of it is really just to lead to the visual of Satnam Singh and, and Joe um, with a pipe. And Joe with a pipe, which it, yeah, just sort of was happy to sort of take that out as well, and also. Yeah, like it's weird how the Ring of Honor TV title looks nothing like the Ring of Honor title that, that <laughs> yeah. Gresham has as well. Yeah. Two completely di- might as well be the Defiant title or something. <laughs> Different time periods, in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but but like on that note, though, as well, well certainly on that note, can they not, could they not give Paul Turner a fucking ROH uh, polo shirt? I hate that. It's small, small little things like that really piss me off. Where it's like the ROH world title and he's there and his AW. Um, this might be is it AW top? Might be a bit picky of me, kind of thing. But it's the same when Did there's like lights and things. And so, uh, ooh, can't remember. Can't, Been can't using remember. him, and I like that. You know, it, it separates it, doesn't it? Makes it feel more. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that I'd have brought Thompson Clare in, but yeah, that's me. The match itself is like. I don't know. It's like on the app, it's it's averaging like higher. It's like three point three four for me. It was like kind of two point seven five three territory. There's some things I fucking hated in this. There was that like, can you remember that spot in the corner where they were say. both yep. fucking repeated <laughs> strikes? Oh, in their defence, <laughs> it was the oh. only thing that got over to that point in the match because I was watching it going. They're just doing that because it's getting a reaction, but it looks fucking ridiculous. And Gareth, oh, it. <laughs> awful! I was like, I was just cringing into the back of my sofa watching it. I was just like, this is the worst thing like uh, ever seen. And then, but like, I thought like some of the shtick that like Gresham was doing as well just felt like a bit small room indie stuff like his little like chuckling spots as he like and evades an attack and things or you know just his his little chuck you know i think it was where it was the old like i don't know is it like the duck for a leapfrog or something like that and then he doesn't follow through and then he just you know does a little holds his ribs and does a little chuckle and things it just felt like yeah this is uh 200 uh 200 room stuff it's not like you know arena uh, arena tv stuff this like a uh, little bits like that just like really fucking annoyed me <laughs> in, this, in this match it was a it was one that i was just like glad to see the the back of um to be honest any thoughts on the main event Nile rose and thunder rose I'll, I'll confess i didn't get that far in the show <laughs> i planned on coming back to it but yeah the, the it, show felt it was fine unimportant to me yeah, it was fine, but unimportant. It just felt like a regulation first title defence for Thunder Rosa. Someone she'd been in there before. It was a, an easy backstory, even though they didn't do it well because they were fucking around with cake or whatever it was. <laughs> and not in the brass eye type way, which would have at least been funny, <laughs> but like real cake. So yeah, it was fine. It was, it was like three stars. Yeah, slightly higher from me, 3.25. Like uh, I liked the, um, I thought they worked well with the whole, you know, uh, Nyla Rose sort of like dominating and you know cutting off Rose's like little rallies and comebacks I thought 
Thunder Rosa had really good good fire when she was on a on a comeback, and the crowd was getting behind her and things. So I thought the dynamic between them worked uh, worked well from that point of view. But again, nothing to write home about. Nothing that you need to go back and watch, uh, uh, particularly particularly Benno. Uh, you're not missing out anything. I don't think it's a great part of um, AW Women's World Belt. Title canon. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to watch Battle of the Belts. Basically, what we're learning, and you know, yeah, the bloody just you know not pay Tony what he's owed or you know like I don't I just don't get why he doesn't uh, they really just don't seem to care about these shows but they they don't and neither do we but I was going to say that's the end of the AEW chat but kind of is <laughs> you know because Liam makes the point in the show you know they should have gone uh, full homage to ROH and had the fight stream go halfway down yeah uh, go go down halfway through I mean that did happen on a show this week but it was a uh, it was a New Japan yeah. show not a, not a Ring of Honor show um, but was it a New Japan show because I threw uh, I threw this Windy City show on and obviously you know it's probably I've left it late in the show to bring up because by the time a lot of people are listening to this I'm sure people will know what the announcement is that Tony's coming up with but you know I was watching this New Japan Windy City show and watching like you know um, you know, is it like the, the factory come out? You know, Keaty Marshall, yeah. the lads, like that felt a little bit of a. a mm, that's interesting. That they're knocking around in a in New Japan now. There is a lot of synergy, although it's still weird because you, you st- at the same time, you know, you get a um, a Brody King on there doing a completely different gimmick to what he's doing in AEW. <laughs> but you know, there is a, a lot of synergy there with AEW. Um, yeah, do we think it's cover lads? Is it, is it is it New Japan versus AEW in a, in Chicago um, in June? Is, is that is that Tony's uh, big announcement? Uh, coming up it does feel like things are starting to align more and more between the two companies like there's got to be something to it i think so with the i'd imagine more for the g1 announcements i think best of the super junior is a bit too quick for that but there is the issue and we raised it on the weekend show is that um is that this that 21st of june the 23rd of june is that not don't say it no we were wrong (laughs) i was hoping not to make that mistake again no the g1's not till july Oh, it's not till July. Yeah. Okay. So it might well be like kind of a. I, I, it feels to me like it's going to be a dynamite. It'll be a special kind of dynamite, and that they'll they'll build up to it. But I'd expect to see a few sort of. I, I'm not expecting to see like a Carter versus Hangman page or stuff like that. It's it's what are they going to be able to deliver? I, I would look at this as this is the test case of where it is they could be going forward, whether or not as well. How much AEW? You know, the fact that AEW is on New Japan World, and they've, you know, it seems to be something that they're very, very serious about. I think it's good. It's whether or not they continue with it, and I think that's really the big test, isn't it? About, about if this relationship is going to work. Having the factory on there, very, very much like what the kind of thing that New Japan would do. We have, and they did, like, have Yuji Nagata wrestle the person you're kind of keen on bringing in. So in the case, you have the factory there as these, like, de facto kind of like, oh, okay, we might be able to do something with a Clark Connors or a or a Carl Fredericks or, or whatever. So it, it's, it is a beneficial, I think this is a relationship that could work. I just have such little faith kind of in New Japan but then I think what AEW hold the cards for, and I think it's for a lot of their wrestlers, is they want to be working in Japan. And I mean an FTR, but obviously Danielson would love to be doing a G1. That's you know part of the thing I'd imagine of him wanting to be not working for WWE. And those are the things that they like. I think that's why they're going to be getting a show in Chicago, first of all, or a show in the US, if that is the announcement, that is what happens. 
that the fact that AEW can do it there first because they're going to want people for the G1. And it sounds like a much more appealing G1 to me if they get it, you know? <laughs> like, it only needs two or three interesting names to liven the whole thing up. Mm. QT Marshall. <laughs> maybe he's the guy. Maybe that's what's happening here. <laughs> well, not Nick Camarotto, because he was, he was mainly solo who was working the match for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, I mean it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's one of those things that it's like... On the surface of it, it's exciting, you know, as we've said before, when you get to super shows and things like that, politics comes into play, you know, you'll you know, you've got things like how to you know, feuds within the existing promotions run against each other, people teaming up in odd scenarios and things like that. You end up with like a lot of, you know, entered often can end up in, in like a lot of tag matches or you know, matches where you kind of know and expect to know the outcome of who's going to win the matches and things, you know, as soon as you get super show in your head and you get dual promotions and things involved, naturally your thoughts go to fucking hell, you know, Danielson versus Okada, Punk versus Tanashi, and, you know, all, you know, you get all these dream matches, things, you know, going in your head. Invariably, you end up with, like, Honma and Yano versus Top Flight or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind Sounds of. good. <laughs> you know. That's a wild match. So it's, so it's, it's, it's one of those. I'll, I, I will reserve judgment until a bit more is uh, announced on that front. But we're in a world there where, you know, these uh, these things are stuff that can happen and you can speculate and you can get excited about or you can get disappointed about for the first time in God knows how long sort of thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. The one thing that gives me some doubt is like coming out of this show, they, you know, they were building up a, uh, an Ishii and Eddie Kingston match for the next uh, big New Japan mm-hmm. USA show, which is before that would be. You know, I kind of feel like, you know, that's a big, you know, inter-promotional type match that you might want to hold off on. I don't know. A lot of people... People are going to be listening to us either think I'm a genius or we're a complete idiots, and that's not even Tony Khan's announcement. So, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see tomorrow when it, when it does get, uh, you know, formalised. Presumably. Yeah, can I throw in, I really love the streaming service idea, just in case that's what it is. <laughs> in case that's what it is, yeah. There you go. Um, but, no, I mean, on this show, I know, Gareth, you've not uh, seen it. Did you say you've just seen the main matches, JP? No, I've seen the whole thing. Oh, cool, cool. Well, we won't spend too... Uh, classic spot like this. We're going to go three hours. Welcome back, Gareth. Um, but <laughs> none of this nonsense two-hour stuff. Uh, proper stuff. Uh, was it my fault after all? Was it my fault all along? It was. Uh, we're <laughs> it was all equally responsible. Uh, but yeah, it's... Um, you know, I guess it's, we'll keep it brief enough, but as a show, I really enjoyed it. You know, we could probably spend most of our yeah. time on the uh, on the top two matches, JP, because that's probably what people mainly want to hear about, but... I really enjoyed it. I I watched it live, and you know, lots of issues with the the uh, the English commentary uh, version over on Fight. So it was the uh, the New Japan World version. Um, I I was watching it, and I think the New Japan World version that's still the most watchable of the lot. Even if that itself had some issues, where there was a point during uh, the main event where the camera ran out of battery, like <laughs> it felt very very low rent. Like even down to the way the the arena was set up, like you know you had you know the the commentators the the 
even on the Japanese feed, I could hear the English language commentators because they were sat close to the ring. You know, the, there was micing issues with that. Whenever they played videos on the big screen, you weren't hearing it through the stream. You were hearing it from the arena sound, which yeah. you know also always comes across just so shit. I know New Japan have apologised and people are getting refunds on fights, so that's good. But you know, it probably shouldn't be happening uh, in twenty twenty. But you know, that stuff aside, you know, it it definitely held my interest as a show. And as you know, someone who doesn't often watch New Japan. With, uh, with the Japanese commentary, that says oh. a lot. But yeah, oh, what, what, Jamie? Oh no, I'm completely with you. I, but when he said like really enjoyed, it, I, there's a lot of this undercard was me. Mm. I was looking at it, going, I'm loving this. We've got graduated young lions in the first one up against, you know, then you have t- the the team filthy dynamic, which shouldn't work. But it was great, including some great exchanges in that. Led nicely into the strong match. I even thought the Bullet Club versus United Empire had enough weird stuff going on for that to be interesting. You know, even the the street fight again, just because it was an arena wide brawl, it was like a lot more lively. Certainly more lively than any sort of New Japan show where you go, you could miss all the undercard stuff. Here, actually, I think you're rewarded for watching a lot of the undercard I'm- stuff. I was enjoying watching, like, you know, as much as we see the same factions go up against each other in New Japan and there, mm. there aren't really interesting combinations. I was enjoying the different combinations of guys. Like, you know, even yeah. just the the weirdness of seeing QT Marshall, you know, in there with Carl Fredericks and uh, Yumura. Like, I enjoyed that in the opener. Like, I kind of liked, you know, that rando, you know, the... Ten man, wasn't it? With the uh, this team filthy, isn't it? The uh, the uh, like JR Kratos, JR Kratos. Oh, with that dive, like that dive that he did. That I think he almost nuts. Oh, those lads barely caught him on the other end. But I kind of like them as a motley crew. He was uh, Danny Limelight, Royce Isaacs, Gerald Nelson, and uh, oh, and <laughs> Ricky Reyes is Black Tiger. Ricky uh, Reyes, which is always going to get me, you know, against the valiant team of baby faces. You know, Fred Rossler, Coughlin, Narita, uh, Josh Alexander, and Chris Dickinson. That I enjoyed, you know. It was just nice to see. Mm. It's, it's interesting to watch it as well. And like, you see who they're focusing on and who like might have yeah. legs in doing an excursion. Like, it surprises me that Chris Dickinson's got in a contract because I kind of, you know, I look at him making his entrance and think, I suppose he could work in New Japan, but I'm not so sure. But you look at a JR Kratos and go, no, they'll love him. Like, he's twice as wide as everyone they've got they'll on the roster him. and three times as tall. Like, you know, you can see that they'll, they'll see something in him. Gareth, I've said this before, you know, Gareth doesn't like the term, um, so, saying it like you're not here, mate. Like, Gareth didn't like the term um, <laughs> guilty pleasure, but JR Kratos, like, when it comes, like, he's just a wrestler who I know isn't great, but by God, I always enjoy him. And he fulfills the role that he has to do. Just, just like him. Like, Don't be guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, fair he's, shout. Um, he's very good. I liked him. He, he, for, oh, go on. Mm-hmm. No, what are you going to say? No. Oh, no, no. Um, I, I think, you know, just looking, though, throughout, you can realise how much people have come on. Like, I, I, I looked there, like, I mean, I don't like Fred Ross's finish or anything else, but, you know, it, it's it's still interesting to see him there. There's interest around here. But can I say a shout-out for Alex Coughlin, who has something definitely about him, like, just in terms of that raw kind of intensity and the whole thing was him squaring up to JR Kratos and, and doing a couple of like competing suplexes and stuff and it was this is the kind of stuff where you go oh, do you remember the, those occasions when you did watch a multi-man match on a New Japan undercard but they were kind of enjoyable 
and not dull and not the same thing you've seen endless times before. That is what all of this undercard kind of felt like to me. And I think when I was putting that match on the app, I had like Team Filthy and then the bracketed people. And then I, I nearly did the other one as Team JP there when it was like <laughs> Alex Coughlin, Fred Rosser. Josh Alexander, Josh Alexander. Renner, yeah. Rita. I was like, "Fucking hell, this is this is your boys here." <laughs> it's a great crew, lads. If, if they can get Josh Alexander into New Japan as well, and that, and that appears to be his game, is like actually that's the place that he could really get into because, again, he's fresh from a guy gym perspective, like, and he's a better. You know he's better than Chris Dickinson, isn't he? For that, but yeah, and I, was, I feel like we are going through all of the undercard. But I just love the way it then turned into Tom Lawler versus Eugene Nagata. That was, loads and of then they had the title match. That was great fun. Eugene Nagata can still go like to a level, and I'm yeah. glad New Japan don't insist with him and put him in like big spots. When you put him in a, in a featured match, you know, especially in front of a crowd that's happy to see him, like a US crowd, yeah, he delivers. Tom Lawler looked great as well. He still leans too much into the the comedy for me, you know, in a New Japan environment. I'd Ooh. get rid of a lot of the, you know, the gear he wears and the, the, the kind of the way he kind of acts, but, you know, <laughs> clearly... Not the theme music, mate. His theme oh, music is what a, always what a banger. awesome. Yeah, yeah. But, it's yeah. brilliant. I can see them liking him. I can see them bringing him over. No, I like that. I tell you what, I, what I really like JP. I really like the um, Bullet Club tag um, with the uh, United mm. Empire. It was the fair. It was the most United Empire I've ever looked like a real stable to me. Like yeah. Osprey wasn't with them, so it was, but it was Davis and Fletcher who look fucking incredible in this match. Great O'Connor, Jeff Cobb. Um, was it T? Who was with them? Uh, Great O'Connor, Aaron Hanari, Aaron Hanari, that's it, and T- TJP um, against TJP, yeah, Anderson Gallows, Chris Bay, Fantasmo, Hikaleo, and for reasons Scott Norton, which was I fun. was going to ask you what was Scott Norton like. This, uh, this is one of the things I want old to man in trainers, mate, right. <laughs> who, who got flustered at one point in the match and just got really pissed off with himself and just tagged out like he didn't, like he looked uncomfortable out there, but you like know. he was in Korea. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he was. He, he, he was looking like he was like looking at a phone, a telephone in in North Korea that he just wanted to beat the shit out of, as well. They did a chant of "You, you still got it," and I was just like, he very much doesn't. Like he's doing <laughs> no. a test of strength, and Jeff Cobbs is is suplexing himself. Like, <laughs> this is when, really what this is. When they were doing, they did like a comedy spot where all of the heels were backraking um, TJP. I yeah. think it was um, like they got Norton involved, and you just knew he hated it. You just knew he didn't. <laughs> have anything to do with this you know modern comedy bollocks um i mean you know it's he's an ex-nwo guy so you know bullet club and whatever but it's it was a nice thing for the live crowd and you know you know new japan love doing that you know throw an old legend in a match like this but yeah i don't think he's gonna be wrestling again uh, anytime yeah, soon but, but what, what a what i say is, my notes was norton is gone lads yeah that, yeah that was the first note upon it he's gone yeah, but the, what I did love, honestly, Davis and Fletcher, like you could tell yeah. this crowd had clearly never seen them wrestle before because all of their spots that are all very creative anyway, but we've all seen a million times, every one of them got a big reaction and every one of them, you could tell it was like the first time the crowd had ever seen them. They had a great show and, and they gave them a lot of time to, to get their shit in and made them an important part mm-hmm. of it. You know, I, I've had some doubts in the past about them, whether it may be a bit too indie to, to work in New Japan. I know this was New Japan US, but feels like they're going to get a proper go. Uh, and I feel like it's going to work. And, you know, 
credit to them. You know, they deserve it. They they should be here on the show rather than, you know, in the mucking mm. over here, you know, working shitty progress shows or whatever they could be doing or working Aussie graps that allegedly exists. Like, New Japan is the spot for them and it's good to see it's finally, finally seems to be happening. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, would, I, I would wholeheartedly go along there. with. The, it was weird because actually for a long time I was watching this match. My kind of main interest was seeing how Aussie Open would come across. And I was worried for, for a long time you didn't really see them. But then when they did come in, the shine was on them. They got the pin on Bay with the oh, yeah. fidget spinner, which they've renamed, I don't know what, for some other nonsense. But it, it, and it's and it's a strange kind of dynamic you've got there where they're much more like a tag team, but they're in the same stable as the tag team champions. Now, I think there's enough time and space where with Cobb and Okan, it won't be a thing that's a regular thing there. And then also, no out as well, this crowd were very buzzing about great Okan, partly because of the story with the, the little girl that he'd helped save and the whole kind of nice story, all of yeah. that but it, it is a nice story and he got a good ovation which was which was good and I think it it, it, it did kind of help but Aussie Open you're looking at them going by the time we get that if Tag League is around that sort of November period they should be in the running for like winning a Tag League of where they are because it feels like certainly that kind of offence is going to get over and even in the main event like where United Empire, actually, I thought they really played their part of ringside, banging on the ring and stuff like that, and the the, the comments and the, the digs and everything else. This is the best as a unit that they've looked, even though it looks kind of weirdly disparate. It somehow works. I was surprised too because I've not I've not mm. seen it as a proper you know top level New Japan unit yeah but you can see those uh, those pieces actually seem to be coming together a little yeah. bit so that's and, and Chris Chris Bay in the juniors and I know people don't like him but as a wrestler TJP putting the juniors is always a solid hand yeah yeah um, but yeah not the other stuff on the other card like yeah you're right that you know the new DQ match was good, you know, Juice Robinson, Dave, Dave Finley and yeah. Brody King. Uh, it was against Jonah. Bad dude Tito getting a booking and, uh, and Shane Haste. Good uh, lad. It was like half an hour, but it, it you know, it didn't feel like it. Um, it was a, it was a very kind of fun plunder match, I thought. And you know, yeah, Juice Robinson's allegedly leaving New Japan, isn't he? And uh, hopefully the door mm. doesn't hit him on the ass on the way out because that's a man who I don't think. You know, if this is it and done for me, and I never have to watch him wrestle again, I'm fine with it. Like that's a man who hasn't looked arsed in about two years, has he? Um, but yeah, and, and, yeah, you, you wonder that with that little group. They're definitely him, Finley and Jay White. There seems to definitely be a bit of a discontent with uh, with New Japan and the way they were treated during the the pandemic. I don't think Jay White losing to Chris Sabin on Impact was a good sign. Like you'd think they'd be trying to protect. Him, um, mm. wondering where uh, where he's headed. Um, but yeah, his match with uh, with Shota Rumino was fun as well. It was, uh, you know, Shota Rumino. I think as as we've all seen from Red Pro, has got a got a long way to go. But it was a nice moment for the Mate. fans. You know, they reunited them with uh, with uh, with Mox, mm. and you know, did that little gimmick there. And yeah, he was a solid little opponent for Jay. I do you know what? I thought he was slightly better. He was slightly physically slightly better toned. However, when it comes to his offense, it's just lethargic. It doesn't feel particularly memorable. It doesn't feel like like really heated. It's really strange for someone you'd imagine would kind of get it. And it, even as a young boy, kind of got it. But here it kind of felt like it was, you know, 
there was times where White was shouting at him and he was like, he just shouted at him like, you're an embarrassment. And he shouted at him to wake the fuck up. And I just thought, I bet there's a few people who've been wanting to say that <laughs> over the last couple of months, really, for him. It's like, wake the fuck up. Because he really hasn't woken up. He's just like, oh, here's Red Shoes lad dressing up like Tanner again. That's really where we are with it. And if he didn't have the whole John Moxley doing the introduction for him and say, go out there, shooter stuff, like, you know, ultimately, I think this would have died a little bit more of a death. But I think he was a novelty value for the US fans than anything else. But as we've seen over here, it's been very, very lacklustre. I reserve the right, obviously, in three years' time when we're talking about how Shota Umino is the greatest wrestler in the world. And like, <laughs> I don't, just go, I don't, think I don't even think Okada was this good. <laughs> I don't see it happening. Okay, and you know what's annoying as well, I noticed, is those Tanahashi-style, um, like, kind of uh, bottoms that he's wearing. They're baggy on him. That's some special K shit there, Benno. Yeah, no, you're right. That his ass is always hanging out in it. It's uh, yeah, man, you know, he looks. Oh, it's it's part of like yeah, you know, he's definitely been criticised for not exactly being in shape during the uh, the latter stages of the pandemic either. There are uh, there are some issues there, but yeah, I suppose we're getting getting into the uh, the bit. I'm a, and I suppose with him as well, I was going to say, uh, you know, sitting through all his Red Pro stuff, it's worth it because we'll be the same as other American fans if him and Moxley team up on a big Red Pro show. Like we'll all be paying into it, won't we? So, you know, at least at least mm. it'll be worth it for that. Um, but no. I mean to get into the business end of things, yeah. Obviously, there's two matches that have, uh, you know, the two feature matches. I think that have, uh, you know, the, the star rating where where the matches and the matches this card was built around definitely worth spending some uh, some time on. Uh, Ishii Suzuki um, first up, you know, mm. twenty minute Ishii Suzuki match, wasn't it? Kind of what you could close your eyes and imagine what it is. And you know, Gareth was absolutely dead on when he said before we've I think we've seen every Minoru Suzuki trick under the sun at this point, and yeah, you maybe going to struggle going forward to excite me about Dream Minoru Suzuki matches, but him and Ishii have just got great chemistry, haven't they? And, you know, there were bits of it I didn't love, you know, Ishii getting dragged into a chair battle on the floor and doing the Suzuki spots, but once they got in there in the ring and it was just two men hitting each other really hard, you know, you know, it brought me back to those terrible memories of not being in the copper box. It was was good stuff. It was a solid, you know, good four-star match, you know, that that I'll take on a show like this. Yeah, you sit to the Ron seal. That's what it is. This match did what it said on the tin, but just at a slightly higher level because you had the chemistry and you they knew exactly what they were going to be able to do against each other as well. I went like 3.75 on this. I thought it was it was like a very good version of a match that I've seen done a hell of a lot. But still very good and a noticeable for the way that it kind of, you know, you've got Eddie Kingston versus Ishii, as you said earlier on, set up for that, which is which is great. And if it means that Eddie Kingston ends up getting a bit of booking in, in New Japan as well, that would be really good. That's an awesome match. Yeah, that's a that's a match I'd love to see in a York Hall. Ishii Kingston sounds like a uh, you know a high stakes type match or something like that. I'd kill for that. Um, but that'll be a banger. I'll be watching that. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. And then yeah, thought the main event was very good. I don't really understand what was going on with the finish. <laughs> Again, another weird mm. Osprey finish. I don't know whether it was a shoot or what. Basically, yeah, if anyone hasn't seen it, the ref counted three when it wasn't a three, and then Osprey tapped out anyway when the ref the ref was kind of like turning his back trying to get the bell rang. It it felt like a shoot. It felt like 
the ref just fucked up. Um, and I suppose, you yep. know, if you're not a full-time US promotion, you're not going to have, you know, full-time top-level refs, are you? You're going to be taken from the indies or whatever else they get these uh, these guys from. Maybe that's something AEW can, can help them out with. But yeah, that aside, you know, it was a very good match. You know, it was Osprey, you know, his Superman, you know, comeback type stuff might not be for everyone you know he's a little bit of a a bit of an underdog baby face at points in this match more than a, a heel as much as he was flipping up moxley and trying to lead in lean into the heel elements of it but i liked it i i enjoyed you know osprey kind of fighting back with moxley i enjoyed moxley dragging osprey into more of a, a brawl tight match but you still got you know those those nice crisp osprey spots where they made sense um for moxley's uh style of match and yeah thought it was uh very good i'd probably go 4.25 stars on it maybe four four and a half and a push but yeah i thought it was a uh, a very very strong main event and uh, a style class of a match that uh that really worked for me jp yeah i went 4.25 if it wasn't for that botched finished, I would have thought it got four and a half. Yeah, I was immediately thinking, I was thinking these, these guys would work great together again. Like that wouldn't be something I'd be putting on them as well. I just thought it was the way that Osprey could sell for Moxley. It was just slightly better and a bit more crazier. Um, at like I, I thought, which I, which I did really enjoy, you know, Moxley bleeds like a champ, doesn't he? Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a shame about the fuck finish. But they had a very good, really good chemistry and a really good pace because this was another one that was like a longish match, but it didn't really feel that way at all. And I kind of wanted to see it with better production values and a bigger arena. That's where I really came away. I was like, all right, these two can work together. This is a match you want to go to again, but you want to do it where, let's face it, you haven't got a New Japan strong referee in there got a new Japan referee in there and he got it in a big arena where it means something and you're going to get that kind of reaction because that's probably what happened like, isn't it Osprey did the delayed mm-hmm. new Japan main event style kick out and the referee did the WWE style I'll call it as a shoot you know as if the whole thing's not yeah. a fucking work mate just slow your count um <laughs> yeah that's probably that's probably exactly what happened that's isn't it. um yeah, but, yeah. and he, he, he did but th- th- those are like I, I thought overall and that was annoying with that. And then afterwards he calls out Tanahashi and whatnot. But overall as a card, I have to say, I really enjoyed this. Me too. Like I really did enjoy this. And again, it, it, I came away thinking how many of these guys I'd be really interested in seeing in New Japan proper, seeing Clark Connors and Chris Bay in a best of the super juniors. I'm only asking for two three max if I'm being greedy to put into a G1 and a, and a best of the super juniors. And we always think of the big name guy, Jim, that they can get in such and such been released from WWE. And you kind of go, I don't know if you can get Tom Lawler doing a G1. I think there's a hell of a lot more there that, that you can get, get in there than as much as anything else. I mean, obviously Moxley's last run in a G1 was absolutely tremendous. You'd, you would imagine Danielson wants in. Like, how many more chances are you going to have to do this? Where he's like physically at the point where he's going to be able to do this as well. And I was thinking about it. That's all you need. You cull three of the shit, your Ujuros and your Chase Owens out of the mix, and you put these these guys in. Completely different um, kettle of fish. I'd have a like you know we said that last year. I'd have a full US block. I, I honestly I think they've yeah. they should have a C block. You know m- mess with the format, make things di- make things a bit different. Like I 
you know, I can't say enough. You know, we obviously we don't watch it every week because you know we we endlessly preview it on the weekend show and then it gets around to spotlight yeah. time and neither of us have seen it any time because you know it's relatively throwaway hour of TV. But when you do yeah, watch it, it comes it, on the Sunday, so it kind of falls out awkward. some of the patterns. I think with the midweek it's, stuff, it, it's a really fundamentally good TV. Like they've given yeah. Rocky Romero this little universe and let him build it. You know. It seems to be mainly Rocky Romero. I'm sure there's other people involved as well. But, you know, as far as the talent that they're using, you know, one, you know, yeah, a lot of, like, the young, you know, New Japan talent, your Clark Connors, your Fredericks, your Yuyamura, those types of guys, Ren Narita, you know, it's a great environment for them. But also, you know, they bring in interesting names from outside, not just, you know, yeah, there's good, like, young wrestlers, you know, they have in the mix there, you know, adding the factory to the mix, or, you know, using Wheeler Utah, using Daniel Garcia, there's those types of guys, but it's a good spot for Moxley to be, for Osprey to be, you know, that the higher level, you know, US guys, it's something for Jay White to do while there's this impasse that's stopping him from, from being in Japan, and then you add for these big shows, the proper, you know, the the interesting, you know, you Japan talent, your Ishii, Suzuki's of the world. It's a really nice little melting pot, a nice little product mm. to have, you know, and they've, they've done a great job of, of building this little universe. And, you know, it's gone from being a show where, you know, it didn't really feel like people were familiar with the characters and stories to the point where you watch a, you know, a quote unquote pay-per-view like this and the crowd are clearly familiar with who's who and what the storyline is and what's important and what's not and who they should be get behind and who they shouldn't. And yeah, I can't say enough what a what a cracking little job they've done with it and how refreshing it is compared to, to, to main roster New Japan. Like I would watch another one of these shows any day before I watch, you know, as good as I'm sure it is, you know, Naita and Okada match four hundred or, you know, whatever the fuck evil's doing or whatever else is going on those main New Japan shots. You use the phrase there, like melting point, melting pot, and then as I'm like looking at the at the card and you just talk through it there, it just has that interesting feel to it, doesn't it, where you just like see some of the names and you're like, what, these four guys are in this match? And like you say, just just as opposed to looking at like your undercard of a typical New Japan show and just knowing like, oh, here we go, it's, you know, we know these LIJ lads and these Chaos lads are... You know, Suzuki Gun, they've faced each other 7,000 times in the last three years and any combination of them, and it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm looking at these, and it's just like, this is just weird. It's just a bit cool, like some of the names that were in there that are just like some, some indie lads and, like you say, just some of the people from your dojo people, established veterans, uh, John Moxley been on the card and things like that. It's just all like, mm-hmm. it is this, this odd little, quite cool, just little, little mishmash and it's you know i haven't watched it in time to obviously run through it here but like it's definitely one that i'm like i'm I'm sitting through that because it's just intriguing it's just unique and anything that does feel unique and has got names on it in the modern day you know you are going to kind of like check it out because you kind of are looking for something that's that's a bit different and you know pulls you in and you know even those top two matches that you talk about there like i look at the best you know top five matches on grapple for april Moxley Osprey is number four. Suzuki Ishii is number five currently on the app. So that you know that's above anything WrestleMania. It's you know that WrestleMania weekend and things. It's head and shoulders above like quite a lot of matches that happened in that that time period as well. Across um, you know yeah, you know there's only sort of the FTR stuff and the Moxley mm. Ushii stuff that's, that's, that's above it really. So again, even if you're watching it and then getting the intrigue and interest out of those earlier low card matches. There's two top quality stuff at the top end of the card as well, so definitely checking this one out. So yeah, 
can't say enough yeah. good things. Really enjoyed it. Great, great show when he says he rides. And yeah, you know, it's not four star plus matches up and down the card. Don't get me wrong, it's a lot of three star tags, but interesting three star tags with interesting people. So, I was gonna say, yeah, probably my favorite show of the week, I'd say. Um, yeah. but yeah, I suppose on that note, so we got, we got about 15 minutes. Uh, Noah, yeah, should we uh, should we get into it, lads? <laughs> <Should> we, uh, <laughs> deep <time? laughs> 15 minutes are you sure um, <laughs> I don't know somehow yeah. we bombed I thought, I thought, yeah I thought we were going to end up like finishing up there um, uh, just like I, we are very, <laughs> yeah I was going to say very quickly because I haven't watched really enough of it yet I've seen little bits of um, the Champions Carnival like on the, on the, on the first couple of days and, and I would recommend as I would do to everyone every single time use the app as your guide for this if you go to the champions carnival on there so i've seen like the day one i found myself watching yoshitatsu takuya namura mainly yoshitatsu still shit shock horror part of the issue i have as well is there's an aesthetic there's not many people here I mean, the first two shows did like 500 people the third one did like 200 and it's it's not good to look at it however if you're going on like a lot of the app like a lot of um at the undercard there's a lot of stuff that's generally three and a half star, 3.75, big, meaty, shit kicker action, basically. Big, hoss action. So I, I, I'd, I'd recommend Chigahara Erie, who I've been quite impressed with on the, the, the couple of uh, matches I've seen. And he was up against Shuji Ishikawa. I thought that was like a a, a, a really fun, um, like sort of three and a half star match there. I thought um, going... Um, Onto uh, what was it I was looking at on day two? I thought Shuji Shikawa versus T Hawk was re- was good fun. I thought Takuya Nomura versus Yuma Oagi I thought was was very good as well. I didn't watch Kenta Miyahara versus Sawama, which is averaging near a four. Um, but what there is, and this is the thing you notice when you're going through them as well, is there's just a general level of quality, and a lot of these matches they're not overstaying their welcome. We're talking ten minute jobs. Now, it's not quite at the period I think we were, say, two years ago when all Japan was like, effectively, it was, <laughs> sounds a bit weird to say it's the new Noah when Noah is from old all Japan. But it's this idea where it filled a gap where it was it was your host promotion. And it's where they were having sort of like big, matches in Japan outside of um, New Japan and Kenno Miyahara was the kind of star quality there. I don't think that those levels yet, but I think there's enough of these, of, of the interest around how they've done the champions carnival, like the six man blocks on each are kind of intriguing. You take out Yoshitatsu, you replace him, but generally you're all, I'm all right with everyone else there. Don't have an issue. Some of them are there to lose more than others. And I expect it to be Jake Lee, in the final winning in order to challenge Kento Miyahara, beat him, then get that title run that he would have got if he hadn't got COVID and had to, and had to get stripped of the title. That's where we are with it. But in terms of overall match quality, from what I've seen on days one and two, really good. Liam says there in a the chat, Miyahara versus Suwama is a banger. Like, and you know, there's probably an element of it's a match that's been done to death many times before, but and I haven't still had a chance to see that 60th anniversary of Kurokan show, but you see the Miyahara with Tanahashi, like kind of stood there side by side. They looked a man who definitely deserves to be wrestling at that bigger, higher level. 
wouldn't he be great to get into a G1? Again, more chance of my arse learning to chew bubble gum than that ever has. How's <laughs> <laughs> it looking on grapple, Gareth? Much engagement? I mean, in terms of like number of ratings, it's definitely there's definitely matches there that'll be like, you know, when I do my little, you know, under the radar kind of things, you know, there's definitely, you know, we're looking at under 30 ratings here for some of this stuff. But, you know, some of the ones that like JP's highlighted there, like the Miyahara Namora, you know, that's, like averaging out 4.07, you know, there's mm. Sawama match um, has got more ratings in there. There's, you know, it's it's 20 ratings, but, you know, but it's a four, pretty much four-star average on on that one as well, um, you know, 3.99 uh, for that too. So, again, hopefully these are the kind of things there that when you start pumping out some graphics and things like that, that these are the ones that people maybe fill in the blanks and, you know, do a bit of catch-up uh, with those because it would be, be great to see when you know get around to the end of the year and you're doing these like lists of the the hundred and things it's always good to sort of see a bit more diversity get in there and get some of these matches in front of people that they might not have uh might not ordinarily have watched speaking of which have you been watching any of the cinderella tournament jp i haven't haven't seen any of that because i think some of it's actually on sort of take delay as well I just put a big wedge of uh, that on the app today. So I was just uh, intrigued mm-hmm. to see if anything filters through from that. So yeah, if anyone's uh, listening and has been watching that, I think uh, I think I was looking and I think a lot of these matches were, I think there's a 10 minute time limit or something like that. So that you might not be getting some of these like high um, stardom ratings that we've seen mm-hmm. like towards, uh, towards the back end uh, uh, last year's, but um but yeah, it seems like there's a, a lot of matches out there for people to be, uh, to be watching and rating. So get your ratings in if you've been watching that. That's my guarantee. We've been trying, mate. We're trying to keep your spirit alive with the plugs, but yeah, not quite like that. We've been yeah. good with the plugs, mate. We normally go plug heavy at the beginning. We forgot we today. We didn't plug the Patreon at all. We completely forgot. No. So I guarantee you. Does it exist? Who can tell? <laughs> well, there is a lot of. I'm, I'm, putting, that, I'm, I'm putting that CM Punk tracky on the uh, on the shop this week. So oh. um, yeah. Oh, wow. Are we allowed to talk about that? Real? Okay, yeah. There you go. That's coming. <laughs> oh, matter, that, that's a little treat for anyone who's uh, stuck with us to two hours and fifty-five minute points. You know, that's what you get. <laughs> get your pre-orders in for that one. Amazing! <laughs> Can't wait! Can't wait! Brilliant! Um, but yeah, yeah was... I'll happily wear it every week. I'll wear it every day, mate. I'll be wearing every every stream. And under the grapple t-shirt. <laughs> Matt, you'll be wearing two. <laughs> No, I want to be on eBay, mate. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose as we are at the, the plug ends of the show, yeah, obviously we didn't, uh, didn't talk it early, but yeah, obviously patreon.com slash grapple. Lots going uh, on there. Obviously, there's a million shows we did over uh, Mania weekend that we uh, buried our patrons into a checkout. Still say recommend that uh, that WrestleMania X7 uh, review that we did. Big for, oh, we yeah. Did. That was a lot of fun with uh, with Matty. But yeah, on top of that, what else, JP? Heat, Heatwave uh, 98, not Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, you know. Yeah. We thought we'd wait for Gareth for that one. bait and switch you did there we'll for that, that one. one. But Heatwave heat wave 98, <laughs> which is Gareth, you might remember, like arguably one of their best pay-per-views ever, um, just in terms of an overall card. That was great fun to go to. We did that with Car- Carl and Matty. Um we did Disappoint, disappointing that I paid my money and I thought I was getting a Tokyo Joshi Pro <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Just flipped it on the yeah, end, you, you were hurt, my soul. 
Uh, well, Eddie <laughs> signed up. You know, Eddie Sideburns has signed up to. Uh, yeah. he, he made threat of making us do Tokyo Joshi Pro as well, but no, his idea is actually a lot better too. Make us um, do one PW. Oh yeah, JP just said it. Yeah, so there's that. Um, to look forward to, to. <laughs> it's all right. We won't work the, the people again. Um, yes, there is going to be something one PW related we're doing with Eddie, and maybe another special guest as uh, as well on yeah. that. But yeah, other than that, what else, JP? You're gonna gonna get uh, Jamesy back as well for uh, for maybe a mixtape episode that uh, might uh, discuss with our patrons at the uh, the end of this show. Uh, Film club coming up as well. Um, and, uh, JP's got yeah. a, got a fun idea for what's uh, what's going on. Loads going on on there, so go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. Um, and yeah, and it's still on top of that weekend show, daily updates, loads of stuff. So yeah, we, we are we are killing killing you all in content. So you know, that sounded really egotistical, I didn't mean it to, but it's, <laughs> it's just loads and loads of stuff that we end up recording on there as well. So yeah, next couple of ones will be really good. I'm looking forward to the film club one, which might end up being two films. I think at this point, which aren't related to each other in any way, shape, or form. We'll find a way. But, well, they kind of are. There's a very loose connection between them. But yeah, I look forward to doing those. So lots to, uh, to look forward to on the Patreon side. And yeah, we'll be back next week for uh, for a regular spotlight. So, yeah. Other than that, with Gareth back, obviously. You know, next week, Gareth, you're busy next Monday and the Monday after it and the Monday after that. I'd feel like to choose the after that. <laughs> In the bath. Splitter. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you can podcast from the bath, mate. No, no it's been great to have you, you back on, mate. And obviously, yeah, as we, you know, we joke about Brilliant. it. Brilliant. Obviously, obviously, hope to have you on as a, you know, regular reoccurring guest. Um, no, no commitments, you know, just, you know, Brock has the contract, you know, whenever you fancy. Yeah. Right. See you in May. <laughs> there you go he, he's agreed to it now May perfect see you in a moment uh, <laughs> but yeah other than that cheers everyone for, uh, for tuning in thanks again Gareth for, uh, for jumping on with us and yeah we'll uh, see you all soon cheers all bye 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 see ya